0: Lauren and R.J. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010 XL 92.5 FM.
1: Hey, welcome in, glad along for the ride on a Tuesday installment of our program. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlion, Lauren Brooks, R.J. Saunders, with you on a cool, nice. Is it fall still or is it winter? It's still fall, right?
2: I think this is fall. Is this fall? fall winter is weird. Winter yeah. isn't to like. Mid-December, I think. I never think. know when anything is. Because I think winter is December, January, and February. So, so we're still... So I think it's fall still. When's a... Is it still fall? Like I mean, we need 24th? the chief meteorologist, obviously. To is this winter or fall? fall, chief meteorologist?
3: I think winter is closer to the end of December. I think. Yeah, okay. I think. All
2: right, so there you go. So, so yeah, cool. winter cool always feels day. like it doesn't get its credit. Like, yeah. it feels like this should be winter, not fall.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, but it feels cool out there. I liked it. Yeah, it was yeah. beautiful
2: out Beautiful day today.
1: We still fall. Thursday,
3: December 21st. And then winter technically ends Tuesday, March 19th. But I think if you're from Florida, winter ends whenever the cold ends. Do
1: we have a solstice or is that just
2: in the summer?
3: I and think there's, there's a, a winter solstice. And there's a solstice? Yeah. yeah,
2: we get two of those a year, right? Yeah, you
1: give, you
3: give me a
2: yeah. chance to talk about a solstice yeah, that's, on sports I mean, radio. This shows, it's three oh one and we've had a good the show. The bar has been set. Yeah. When's <laughs> right. our no next eclipse?
3: Yeah, the winter solstice is, that's when winter technically starts. At a, that's so December 21st. So
1: you're telling me there's a
2: solstice nine Coming days up. now. Well,
1: correct. What, what, what will you do party? to celebrate? L- like there wasn't already a good start to the day. Now, I get nine, now I'm nine days away from a solstice. That's awesome. So there you go. Uh, A lot to talk about today on the program. Glad you are with us. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the importance of this week's Jags game versus the importance of the four-game stretch. You with me on that? There's two ways to look at that, so we'll certainly talk about that uh, coming up on the program today. So a lot of uh, NFL talk. The NFL's crazy. Patrick Mahomes, by the way, apologized. You see that? Yeah. He's apologized for the uh, other. Is he trying to avoid a fine? And that might be part of it,
2: too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but I'll say this about Mahomes. I think he's trying to avoid his image. Yeah yeah. Getting tamed
1: yeah. And, and 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 there's also the chance, and I thought about this too. I'm guessing he's. I think he's probably a pretty good guy. Uh, just to seeing the, the takeout the, the, the impression I get him is he's a pretty good guy. Sometimes you act like a jerk, you realize you act like a jerk. You know what I mean? Sometimes you say, you know what I, I I, if you do it over and over and over, then no one's going to buy it. But if you do it once once and come back and say, I wish I hadn't have done, you know. You act like a jerk multiple times, you're probably a jerk. You act like a jerk one time, and you may not be a jerk. You might be just – you acted like a jerk one time. You know? So, I think this is a I, – I think, I think you look at people way different based on that. And I, I mean, he hasn't had any outbursts, like, really inappropriate, has he, in his career? No. I, I, I don't think so. I, th- I, think he's a, I think he's been a pretty straight shooter. So, So, so good, good for him. So. Uh, a lot to talk about today on the program. We'll talk a little bit about Jags. Uh, I, wanna, I got a theory about – is it Brian Taylor, the Juco guy Florida guy? Yes. got a theory about him. We'll talk about him. I want to look back at, I'm going to, an interesting look at Florida State's roster from last year, some of the key guys. If you look at their years, it might astound you. Now, you know kind of some of the story, right? But if you look at their age and their years, it might, it might really kind of astound you. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, just, you can't imagine, you know, how long some of those guys have been around. I think that's kind of the story. So we'll certainly talk about that coming up on the uh, program today. A lot of things to get to today uh, on the show. How important is this week's game, Hayes?
2: I'm gonna be in the minority here. I honestly, I don't think it's incredibly important because um, I just I see the team for what it is. I don't think it's a team that can get the one seed, and uh, and I, a I don't think they're gonna win the game. So it's it's hard for me to sit here and say, oh, it's incredibly important in a game that I don't. I honestly, I think they've got like a 25 percent chance of winning. Um, but uh, I think to me, it's you've got to find a way to 3 and 1 in your final four. And since the uh, 3 after this, I think are very welcoming games, very favorable games, I think it it diminishes the importance of this. It also helps that the Colts and Texans lost last week. Look, right. if if they'd won, this game would be monumentally important. Right, that's right. But I think with I think Houston's getting ready to really fade if CJ Stroud misses time with the concussion cuz they're going to be atrocious without him. And Indianapolis I just can't buy into as being a real threat to, to get ahead of the Jaguars in the standings. Remember, they have to get a game better than the Jaguars because the Jaguars swept them. So I think because of that, you know, it's important if you still want to remain in the race for the one seed. I just think this team is too beat up to, for that to be a real realistic goal. So for me, it's not that important. I mean, it'll be fun, and hopefully it'll be an electric crowd, and, and hopefully they pull the upset. But I don't think if if they lose the game, I'm not going to come in here Monday and be pressing the panic button.
3: Well, I think it's important that the defense plays a lot better. It, does that lead to a win? Not necessarily. But if the Jaguars defense doesn't have blown coverages and can contain Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to low 20s, I think you at least feel better about this defense moving forward. And you hope Trevor plays well, much better, I would say. I mean, he played okay last week, but not great. I think you want to see him play better. So I don't think, yeah, the win is not crucial unless you do want the number one seed in the AFC. And I think they kind of gave that away with the loss of the Bengals.
1: Yeah, one thing One thing to your point, you want to see him play better. I mean, number one, you want to win the game, but but there's been some dysfunctional parts of the loss, the, the mistakes uh the the guys running wide open. I mean that that's the the point you made. The the fact that there's guys running wide open, I think that's a little bit of the concern is uh you that's what you don't want. So um yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think the four games overall are important. And by the way, I, I think more than you said twenty five percent chance to win A's. I, I don't think that. I think NFL game at home, they're still a pretty good team. They're two good pretty good teams. I what's
2: in the, what's the line by the way? It's three and a half Ravens.
1: Yeah, I, I would have guessed the Ravens would be. I might have guessed around that. I might have even guessed a little more, but three and a half point line. Anybody can win it. So I think the Jags have a chance to win the game. So we'll so, so we'll see. Uh, but I think in totality, these games. Do you realize that the Texans play the Titans twice in three weeks? Yeah, I I didn't I I missed the fact they hadn't played.
2: Which is great because normally in that circumstance, it's a split. Yeah. And if you're the Jaguars, a split does wonders Absolutely.
1: for you. You'd love to see Tennessee – one of those teams lose a game to Tennessee. Yeah, the uh, the Texans have a really interesting – so I'm going to go through the schedule of all – remember, you've got a one-game lead with four to play, meaning the Texans and the Colts trail by one with four to play. And to your point, uh, the Jags have done very well against them. So, so we'll see what winds up happening uh, today on that. Uh, I'm going to make a point about this guy Brian Taylor. Because there's a significance to him. I don't know much about him, but there's a significance to him, and I'll certainly talk about that. Quarterbacks, Riley Leonard's going to Notre Dame. Um, DJ uyunga to FSU. You like that? You like him to FSU? If you're FSU, do you like it?
3: I think I'm lukewarm. I mean, it's, it's better than probably the in-house options, but I would have rather had someone else. I think he's been inconsistent in his career.
2: I, you know, I, I think it's a good move for more him than it is FSU. You know, I, I think he's going to be developed well under Mike Norvell, and so I, I think for DJ, I think it's a good choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that I, I think from an FSU standpoint, you like the experience, the familiarity with the league. Now, he didn't play particularly well in the league, but I do think, I do think Clemson's offense had gotten really stale. And I think Dabo Swinney acknowledged that and went out and and got Riley to uh, to run his offense this year, and so I uh, you know I I think that that allows me to give DJ a little bit of a pass here. So I think it's a it's a good fit. He's experienced. He's thrown almost 1,200 career passes in college. Uh, so you know you love it from that experience standpoint. It does make me wonder what sort of happens to the room, right? Because you know I mean you've got. Uh, it, like like it does with any program that brings in a transfer, it's like you've got guys that have been sort of waiting their turn, and uh, and so what's going to be the reaction when you hand the keys to uh, to DJ? Because I'm never going to be able to say his <laughs> last name. Uwe Ungalale <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uwe Ungalale. Yeah.
3: That, you got it, DJ. I,
1: I didn't have look, it until I call I called the Clemson Georgia Tech game. No, forcing me last year to learn it.
3: Do you look? Differently at a quarterback who's on his third school than you do a quarterback who's transferring to a second school?
1: You would have over the years. Now, I don't want to say it's common, but it's more common. But, yeah, there's, there's an issue if you keep changing. There, there. In fairness to him, the Oregon State thing blew up. The league blew up. The coach left. So I don't think this is a typical – I mean, he, this is a guy that was pretty loyal to Clemson, got to Clemson, didn't work out, picked Oregon State, had a pretty good year, but then the conference blew up. The Oregon State got left behind. The coach left. The quarter. The coordinator left. I think at that point, you give him a pass on the third school.
3: I can understand I, I that. It's a little fifty-seven percent completion this year. That's where I think I always look at completion percentage for quarterbacks. That's where if I'm an FSU, FSU fan, it's like, yeah, he has experience, but I, I need a better passer rating than that.
1: Yeah. So. For so. Completion percentage. Yeah. So he's. I, I guess about. it's going to be
2: hard for whatever they decide to do. For it not to be a drop-off. Right. It's just, well, of course it's going to be a drop-off. Can you save it from being a massive drop-off? And, and is
1: it better there – and I'm, we're going to get to this later in the program – but is it better there than just – Brock Glenn looked terrible, but he's not terrible. He just wasn't ready to play. He's a freshman that had never played. He's, I, I, I fail to believe that Brock Glenn all of a sudden isn't a very good player because of what happened in a game he was thrust into. Um I think Rodemaker's been around there a long time. So the question is – and I, we'll get into this later – but. Does the new guy come in and he's automatically the starter like Mertz was and like most of them are, or does he come in and compete? And does he come in if he's anything other than the guaranteed starter? So you know, that's that's kind of the question. You generally know which schools want a guy to come be the guy and which schools are willing to let you come. Uh, Spencer Sanders went from Oklahoma State to Ole Miss. It's clear he wasn't guaranteed the starting job. Yeah, that, that's went, still
2: just still amazing, put. and he's still to
1: there. Me. And he's still there? And and Jackson Dart came back, and he's still there. Right. When Jackson Dart said he was coming back, I was then convinced Sanders would be in the portal, and he still could, I suppose. But as of now, he's still sitting on the bench. and
4: yeah,
3: It's the power of the Grove.
1: Now I've been to the Grove. (laughs) Okay, I've been to the Grove, just so you know. The Grove has some power. It does. There is some power. there. right, a lot of things to talk about today on the forum. Glad you're with us. Uh, When we kick this thing off, we'll talk a little bit about um, uh, the Jags, the importance of the game, the importance of this four-game stretch uh, in a bit. We also have a Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week coming in right now. We're going to kick off the program with our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week. That's how we'll start the program. We'll toss some Jags and more after this.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Hey,
4: let's go! And now, this week's Scholar Athlete of the Week. Brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists and the Plumbers and Pipefitters Local Union 234 on 1010XL.
3: And we welcome you in to our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week, Jessica Oman, senior at Atlantic Coast. Jessica, so nice to see you. Congratulations and thanks for hanging out with us today.
5: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
3: Absolutely. All right, so you play both basketball and volleyball, but you love basketball more?
5: Yes, definitely. And why is that? So I love basketball because... Um, one, I feel like I'm better at it, and I enjoy being able uh, to have a good team environment and have, um, meet new people through that and just build my game through that.
1: How did basketball start for you? How long have you played? And tell, tell me about the journey.
5: So I started playing basketball when I was about in fifth grade because my sister played basketball, so I grew up watching her. And then I obviously wanted to follow in her footsteps. So I started playing uh, with her, and then that was pretty fun. I got to play with her through middle school, and then I continued my basketball journey through high school. So I've played freshman through senior year in high school.
2: Very cool. Jessica, you're involved in so many clubs. What's that been like? What what have been some of the clubs that you've gotten the the best experiences out of?
5: So the top three clubs or honor societies that I'm involved in is Science National Honor Honor Society, which I'm the president of, And I'm also involved in HOSA, which is for future health professionals. And then I'm also involved in Best Buddies, which is a club to spread inclusion for people with autism or IDDs. With all of those, I really enjoy being able to be a part of the community and be able to serve the community in those ways. Such as with SNHS, um, I've been able to go to the Hunger Fight and make food packages for the hungry. And we've also been able to go out with best buddies to uh, different places and spread the awareness for autism, which I really appreciate.
3: Yeah, that's amazing. How did you become president of the SNHS?
5: So I joined my sophomore year in the society because I was always interested in science and I just wanted to be a part of that. And they were known for the community service and I wanted to be a part of that. And then I continued through junior year, which I became the secretary in that. And then for my senior year, I became the president because I wanted to make the Honor Society a bigger part of the school community. And I wanted to embrace the community service and leave a lasting impact.
1: Very cool stuff. So let's talk about college, because we were talking about it during the break a little bit. Yes, Tell yes. us wh- where you're considering going and uh, what you're hoping to hear from.
5: So... Right now I've applied to UCF and FSU yep. and I've heard back from UCF and I got accepted there and I'm waiting on an acceptance from FSU which actually comes out today so We'll be looking forward to that sometime later today.
1: We've kind of already checked, didn't we? We checked. About <laughs> yes, we, of, we checked, we, and the email we, has not I mean, come yet. We but <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, Miss Tally asked Jessica to check the email, so she checked it a minute ago. Right, it'll be there any anyway. minute. You're going to get accepted, right? But it, okay, it, I hope Tally, so. I think you're get <laughs>
2: Here, here's a message to Florida State: take her yeah, and it, accept her. Right. 4.0 <laughs> student, 1320 on the SATs, and obviously uh, does a lot of, uh, of incredible extracurricular, athletically in the clubs, and uh, that's fantastic. So what? what in terms of a career, what, what do you have in mind?
5: So I'm interested in becoming a physical therapist. Um, and that originated from actually a middle school assembly that I had. And fun fact, I wrote my college essay about that and how that one like 15 minute presentation transformed and like shaped the rest of my life to be who I am today. So Um, I've always wanted to serve people and help people in that way. And when I found out about physical therapy, I just loved how that was going to be a part of my life. And I've had the great opportunity to intern at some speech therapy offices and occupational therapy just to narrow down that I, too, truly want to be a physical therapist. That's interesting. We have a lot of scholar athletes
3: that say they want to go into physical therapy or become an athletic trainer because of an injury that they sustained. Mm -hmm. And then in dealing with the people. But yours wasn't that at all. It was middle school.
5: Yes, it's definitely not the normal path for that. But I, I do also feel like part of it is my involvement in sports that I do see the injuries that other people go through, and I get to see how they go through physical therapy to get to the place that they are today.
1: All right. Well, Jessica Oman is our Duval County Scholar athlete, great student, terrific basketball and volleyball player. Has already been accepted to UCF, and I think by the time she gets home, we'll be accepted <laughs> to FSU. So, hey, thanks for coming by. Congratulations.
5: Thank you so much.
1: All right. Jessica Oman from Atlantic Coast uh, did a terrific job, and uh, she's been accepted to UCF, and I agree with Hayes. I think that acceptance letter from FSU is coming like a uh, – any minute now, maybe before our next break would be my guess. Absolutely. So she's very sharp. So we thank Jessica for coming by for sure. Uh, let's talk some Jaguars. All right. So I want I want to look at this thing in totality. You've got a one game lead. All right. So you've got a one game. over the Colts really one and a half because you've beaten them, you swept them. The the schedule looks like this for the Jags. Ravens at Bucks, Panthers, Titans. Let me give you the other schedules. The Texans, Hayes, they're at Tennessee, home against Cleveland. Home against Tennessee, and at Indy.
2: All right, of those games, they could be one in three in those four.
1: They could, they could. We'll 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 have to see them. One, how 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 C.J. Stroud comes out of protocol, the concussion protocol. Cleveland certainly, we saw how physical that that football team is, and Joe Flacco kind of found a little something, didn't he? So so we'll see there. Uh, the Colts, they play Pittsburgh, who I don't think is very good. They're at Atlanta, who I don't think is very good. Home against uh home against the Raiders, and then home against Houston. They may have the easiest path. They do. They of of the four team, of the three teams, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Raiders. I think they're winning all those.
2: They absolutely could. Yeah,
1: win I, all I think those. they're going to win all those games. And I then, think the
3: Falcons game would be tough for the Colts,
1: and that's on the road. Yeah. So, so that's 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 the only one of their of their four games. It's the only one that's on the road. Uh, the toughest team, in my opinion, that any of the three play in these twelve games is the Ravens. That's that's the best team. One of them will play, and that's Jacksonville. So. It's not out of the realm of possibility that the Jags lose to the Ravens, the Texans win in Nashville, the Colts are going to win at home against Pittsburgh. We could have statistically a three-way tie when we
2: do the show on Monday. We could. I mean, it's
1: very, it's very conceivable, and, and, yeah. and I think people will be jumping off buildings, but I'm just telling you, it's very conceivable there's a three-way tie on Monday morning.
2: It, it is. I think it's also very conceivable that the Steelers would lose to the Cardinals and the Patriots and then turn around and spoil the Indy party. Yeah. You know, like this is the kind of game that Pittsburgh wins. So, I, uh, you know, it again, yes, that that scenario yeah. could absolutely happen. If Stroud is active, I think they'll beat the Titans. The Titans are on a short week. I uh, and and I think, you know, had some pixie dust on them last night that probably won't be there in their next game. So, I, uh, you know, my guess is Tennessee loses, but uh but I I think the Steelers actually could upset the Colts. I uh, but yes, that it's it's all going to come down to the Jaguars have to just hold serve in the games in which they're going to be the favored team. They're going to be a favored team at Tampa Bay. They're going to be the favorite home against Carolina, massive favorite, and they're going to be a big favorite in Nashville now. Again, this is all contingent on no more injuries. But if if Trevor is is active and healthy, they will be favored in those three games. So if he can get to three and one, then the other teams really don't have any chance to catch you. So that's to me where it, now you got to beat Tennessee because that that could be a game you have to win to get the to to have the season tiebreaker over Houston. But uh, but again, I mean, I know the Titans. Pulled one out last night and upset the Dolphins. I, I still would be surprised if the Jaguars go in there, particularly if they have to have the game and lose to that Titans team.
3: Isn't it ironic that we're almost cheering for the Titans in some of these games, even though that's usually the the team that's at the top of the division. But with everything, how it's gone now, I mean, you really want the Titans to beat the Texans.
1: Yeah, once you get bad, people root for you. I um Although last night's game was interesting. That was an interesting win for them. Back to the Jags for a second. Here's the good. I, I really do think there's a distinct chance that there's a three-way tie at eight and six on Monday morning. I just I'm, I'm not saying I think the Jags are convinced the Jags are going to lose, but they could lose. They're they're an underdog, so there's a there's a distinct chance it could be eight and six, eight and six, and eight and six. Now here's the good part. After this first game, the Jags have Bucks, Panthers, Titans. That's the good part. I um yes, two of those are on the road, and the Bucks are interesting. Christmas weekend game. They're playing a little better. They're trying to win their division. I don't think they're physical defensively, but I don't think they're a great team. So, if you get by this one, or, or after you've played this one, I should say, whether you get by it or not, I then I then think if you scratch off the first week, the Jag schedule is as easy as anybody's. You know what I mean? I mean, so yes. so once you once you get by this one, the worst case scenario the worst case scenario is. You're tied Monday with the other two, with either both or one of the other t- two teams. That's the worst-case scenario with three very playable games in my mind. I guess that's kind of the point. Yes,
2: and, and the Jaguars are better than the Colts and Texans. So they're going to have – if the Jaguars play a B-level game, they're going to win those final three games. The Colts and Texans B-level game may not be good enough to win the games that they've got to win. The Jaguars are, are just a better – they have more talent. And they're a better version of a of a complete team than Houston and Indianapolis. So not to say the Jags are perfect; they're not, but they're they are a better team. And so, yeah, I, I I'm not overly concerned. I you know I I I'm not expecting them to win Sunday, but I so if they do, it's it's obviously it's fantastic. But I do expect them to run the table after that and win the final three. If if they lose any of those three games, that would be to me, incredibly alarming.
3: The Bucks game scares me now because, to Frank's point, this is a team that's trying to win its division, and it's a winnable division with the Falcons and the Saints. The Panthers obviously went completely out. That game, I think there's – assuming that the Jaguars lose to the Ravens in this conversation, that game I, – I, I used to think, okay, Bucks easy, Panthers easy, and, yeah, Titans easy. Not nearly as easy as I once thought. I'm yep. not panicking, but I, I think – your defense has to play better. If your defense plays the way it did against the Bengals and the Browns, then I d even though with the takeaways that they got against the Browns, then I think the Bucs could beat you.
1: Panthers, Panthers is as is, is easy as it gets in the NFL. Nothing's easy as the NFL, but it's easy as it gets. I'm not compl- I'm interested to watch the Titans. I mean, they did win that game. I mean and, and the Dolphins have a good team and the game was on the road. And and that game, by the way, was what the NFL does. There's no way the Titans win at Miami. There's no way they win at Miami. There's no possible way they can win at Miami except they did. That's, that's what the NFL does. If you ever want to know what the NFL does, Will Levis, who starts the game by throwing a pick six
2: right to the guy on the five-yard line, they come back and win the game. That, that's that's what the, that's the NFL. It is. I mean, Tennessee was a 13-and-a-half-point underdog going in. I mean, that's just it's stunning. And, uh, you know, it took – the Dolphins collapsing. I mean, all of a sudden, a Vic Fangio defense can't solve Will Levis uh, and DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, the Dolphins had a chance. Put that game away. There's 2.30 on the clock. You're getting the ball back. You know, you've got this high-powered offense. I understand Tyreek Hill got injured in the game, but, I I mean, that's where you've got to go get those two first downs. And they go three and out. Uh, not only do they go three and out, they had a penalty on third down. So... Vrabel only had to use two of his three timeouts, and uh, and Levis leads him right down the field and scores. I mean, it was really impressive, and, and the analytics won the day because Vrabel went for two down 14, got it. So then he was down six, so when they scored again, they just kicked the extra point to, to win the game. So that's an example of, of seeing how that can work in your favor. Uh, you know, it was just – it, it to, to me, it speaks volumes more about what just – Complete frauds the Miami Dolphins are. They're just they're they're total pretenders because they're not physical at all. Yeah, they're not physical at all. And when and when they don't have their speed, they're they're just they're they're a bad team. And if you look at
1: the who they beat list, yeah, I mean, sometimes I think it's the NFL winning is winning, but if 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 there's too much of a disparity. Between the teams you've beaten and the teams that beat you in terms of how they do against everybody else, that's pretty glaring. The Dolphins won't, don't you th- I mean, the Dolphins, yeah. they really have
2: beaten. My hope is that the Jaguars will see the Dolphins in the second game. Yeah. They, you know, in the first game, you're probably looking at a Cleveland, maybe a Buffalo or Cincinnati. Right, we'll right. see. Um, my hope is that Miami can somehow win its game because I think the Jaguars would. I mean, convincingly beat the Dolphins.
1: We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some NFL. We'll talk some college. Got a lot to do. Glad you're with us on this Tuesday. Our Tuesday is always brought to you by the Nimnik family of dealerships. That means Nimnik Chevrolet on cast at Nimnik Buick GMC. Located on Phillips Highway. Been buying cars from Nimnik since 1982. I don't plan to stop. You want to go to a right place to get your car? You want to head to Nimnick. More in a moment. Stay with us.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. <laughs> it's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnick, your friends in the car business since 1941. Always a Nimnick Tuesday
3: here on The Frangie Show. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, RJ Saunders, I'm Lauren Brooks. Band, please, gentlemen.
1: It's my guilty. I told you, it took 25 years before I could admit I liked them. I mean, listen, I'm still I'm still a little nervous about admitting it, but I can admit it now, right?
2: I love them. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you, you've know, you
1: admitted it out of the gate, but you were also nine. Yeah, I, lo- okay. I was a kid, When you were <laughs> nine, <laughs> it was
2: easier. Oh, you yeah. Know? But, I mean, the videos were incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, Hungry Like the Wolf is one of, I think, the best, most creative videos ever done. It's got, almost got, like, a Raiders of the Lost Ark theme to it. Right. It's, like, shot in this all these exotic locations, right. and it's awesome.
1: Let me tell you, back in the old days, on glory days on Bay Meadows Road, the single days, mid '80s, if you're sitting around, you just played 18. You uh, you wrote 78 stories for 173 and Benny's. You, <laughs> you got there, you, you had a beer, you kicked. Your, all your buddies were sitting around. You know what you didn't say? Hey, man, have you heard that new song, Rio? <laughs> okay, okay. You just just, just something that probably didn't just didn't really come out yeah. very often. So, I, uh, I, I, but I love, I, I always that. liked them. I always yeah. liked them. So.
3: Is that still the same way today? Like, people can't. I don't know.
2: It's been so long since I've, first of all. I've always had guilty, yeah, like, well, pleasures in music that I would, like, never admit that I yeah, like. Even
3: now? Yeah. Well, I'll,
2: yeah, I'm I'll, trying I'll, to think of, like, what would be one now? A song that I like that, go ahead, what were you going to say? Well, well, I was
1: well, going to say, I was, it's, been, it's been so long, I was going to say it's been so long since I've been cool. The better way to say it, it's been so long since I've wanted to be cool, so I don't really care. I don't know anymore. I don't, you know what I mean? Now you yeah. just like what you like. You know, but but back in the day, you had to like what you thought was cool when you were in yeah, your twenties, right? So I don't know if right now if there's any. I, I, no, I don't even know who the bands are today. So I wouldn't even begin to know. You yeah,
2: know? like I like a lot of like Olivia Rodrigo and uh, like the new Taylor Swift stuff. You know, I like stuff yeah. like that. Um,
3: so yeah, I think if you can admit to that, then there's no such thing as a band you couldn't admit to. What
1: about in your world? Is there stuff? I mean.
3: I mean, in country, as you all know, there's kind of a divide between people who think some countries too pop and other countries better, you know, that kind of thing. But,
1: but there's not snob- there's even snobs in country music. Oh, of course.
3: I had no idea. Oh, I yeah. Know. Like people say, for instance, like I'll just throw out a name, uh, Luke Bryan. People would say like he's way too pop or party country. He's not bro countries, what some people call it. He's not like real country. It's there's always that in music. People like to s- stick their nose up at stuff.
1: But don't they all, I didn't know that. I, I knew I, I knew there was a divide between like old country, like like old, I mean old old. I mean Waylon and Willie old. Mm-hmm. And then there was 90s country, which was Toby Keith, Garth Brooks. And then there new. I knew there was a divide. But I, you know what I mean? I didn't know, sure. but I didn't know there was a divide among, I thought now yeah. they all wore T-shirts and trucker hats and jeans and. And they're named Brett or Dylan or Dusty and they're all the same. But they, but there's a division. Like Chris Stapleton well, is he's in different. a different
3: category yeah. than a Luke Bryan. I don't think you'd ever see Stapleton go on tour with and I yeah. I'm not picking on Luke yeah. Bryan. Luke Bryan's fine. I'm just saying different style of well, country. Well
1: well to your point, Chris Stapleton and wearing the T shirt, the trucker hat, and going to the gym for three hours before he plays that night. I mean that that that's the stand that's the country guy I kind of might have been guilty making fun of, but Chris Stapleton ain't that guy, right? I mean, he, no,
3: but and you know. again, it's it's all over the place because that's how music is. There's people like Florida Georgia Line. That's a, another yeah. example, Frank. People cool. have thought Florida Georgia Line was way too pop way too and pop. not country enough. And in the end, it's whatever the masses tend to listen to. That's who becomes famous, and don't be mad about it. Well,
1: him. I've always said that. I've always said, not everybody said that, but I've always said, appreciate your music and don't judge anybody else. So, uh, so I so I I agree. with that. I I love Florida Georgia Line. They're, they're like I think they're, one of, they're a lot of fun. Too bad they broke up. <laughs> the songs all sound the same, but I still but I like the sound. So, so there's that. Uh, the I want to talk about quarterbacks for a second. So I got thinking about this with the Mahomes with the Mahomes uh, outburst. Do you like Patrick Mahomes? Do you like him? Not really. You know, because he plays for the enemy, or you just don't like him. Uh. I mean, I've life. never
2: really liked him for a variety of reasons. Um, I didn't really like him as a prospect, yeah. <laughs> so he proved me wrong there. Yeah. Uh, I, Yeah, I was lukewarm on him. Um, yeah. And obviously, he ended up being like the greatest player of this generation. And by, so. the,
1: by, by the way, just for the record, my buddy Jeff Logman thought he had the best arm talent
2: he'd ever seen. He was yeah. dead right.
1: But most of us didn't think he'd be this. Yeah, and it's so I, – I, mean, I didn't have that. Now, that guy.
2: doesn't have anything to do with him, yeah. but that's just – I tend to uh, – if I – However, I thought of you as you were entering the league. If you prove me wrong, I tend to hold that against you. (laughs) Um, I respect and and then I. You
1: must hate Graham Mertz, but please continue.
2: (laughs) And And then uh, (laughs) really hate him. um, You know, obviously he's been a a a thorn in in the Jaguar side now. uh, So you know that certainly carries it over. Um, This is also going to be like a real. geeky reason to not I've like really never had him in fantasy football ever so I've always pulled against him to do anything because anytime I've played I've, pretty much anytime he's done anything amazing it seems like I've been playing him that week gotcha so uh so that is uh you know just a personal dislike because he's right. cost me there All Right. and uh and he's a whiner do you, you like, know
1: you like Mahomes
3: I respect him. I respect his greatness, well, yeah. but as far as like cheering for him, absolutely not. Well, I don't
1: cheer for any of the opponents, right? But I just.
3: But I think he's got the yeah. extra annoyance because of all the commercials. Yeah, he's yeah. so in your face. I get that. We started that. to feel that way with Aaron Rodgers. Now Mahomes. See? Also, his voice. I think I find annoying yeah. as well. See, I think he's and a li-
1: I th- I find him to be a likable guy. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I don't. Um, I I find I find him to be a likable guy, but I'm thinking about the quarterbacks now and. uh, there's all the raids on all the young quarterbacks, but Mahomes is struggling. His team's struggling. Part of that to, to the point you made yesterday, Hayes, no receivers. Joe Burrow is hurt. Um Jalen Hurts, that that uh, that thing's fading a little bit. I I'm one, I'm looking, I mean, Lamar Jackson's a very good player. Whether people give him credit or not, he's a very good player. Justin Herbert's gone for the year, as Burrow is. It's interesting where this young where where all these young guns are going. Two was just okay in my mind. so two had just lost and just okay Burrow gone for the year Herbert gone for the year. Uh, looks like Mahomes is really struggling. it just I, I'm wondering if we did this list again. Trevor's climbing up that list, but Trevor doesn't have the touchdowns interception numbers that he thought he would have. I mean if we're being honest yeah no, he doesn't have the touchdown interception numbers I thought he would have this year. So what is the list what, what's the higher if you had to rank him now it's oh and Josh Allen's team even though he was very good the other day against Kansas City. He's been up and down through interceptions every game for a while mm-hmm. there. So what's the the list has changed? I guess don't you sense that
2: it has? And I mean, look, Mahomes is still one. I mean, and no I have, question. I mean, there's I have no a debating that. Ton of respect for him as a player. I just don't. I just don't like him as a player. Um, like whoever, whenever the Jaguars get eliminated, if they do, I'm not going to be rooting for the Chiefs. Like whoever the Chiefs right. are playing, I I can't imagine a team off the top of my head. I would actually I root for Houston. To beat the Chiefs, if if they made it in as a right. wild card with Stroud, I, I would pull for Houston to beat the Chiefs. Um, and uh, so I I really can't think of a of a matchup in which I would I would want the Chiefs to win. Um, but obviously he's 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 the head of the class. Um, he's a fantastic player. Um, but yeah, I mean I I think Dak Prescott's gone from you know probably in the twelve range to top five based on the year he's had. I mean he's the front runner to win the MVP, Lamar Jackson's really had a great year. Had you know, he's year. so he's far, he's been able to stay year. healthy. You know, that's been something that we've talked about endlessly is will Lamar Jackson make it to the Sunday night football game? Well, he has. And a lot of his colleagues have not uh, around the league, as you mentioned, Burrow and Herbert. Uh, you know, so I, I think Josh Allen is turnover prone. He's still, when he's at his best, He's still basically indefensible. He's he, no one wants to see Josh Allen in the tournament. And uh, yeah, and Jalen Hurts, is. I think Jalen Hurts has just played through an injury. I think that's going to be one of those where whenever Philadelphia's season ends, you're going to find out two weeks later that he had surgery. I mean, he just he looks like a player that is really laboring through something uh, to his credit. You know, he's he's, you know, being a real tough player, but. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's changed. And, and, look, some of the young players have stepped up. Some of the young players have regressed. So it'd be funny to look at a preseason 1 through 32 because I, I think some of the opinions would be radically different.
3: I think there's two names that you didn't mention that I would also throw in the hat. And the sample size for the first one is still somewhat small. But Brock Purdy is, Thought about him. to this point, played incredibly well. Yes, he had a, a three-game slump, but overall he's been really good when he played last year and really good for the most part, this year and Tua Tonga I mean, he yes, he's not as good without Tyree Kill, but Mahomes isn't as good without Tyree Kill. So you've got a player like that, you you may as well uh, find him a ton. I think both of them deserve. I think I I always said for last year Brock Party. Well, let's see him do it again, and he has. And Tua, can he stay healthy? To Hayes's point about Lamar, and so far he has.
1: Uh, Tua, Tua, I did mention Tua, but I but I don't I don't find him. For me, for me, he's probably not a top five or six guy, but that's just me. Brock Purdy, though, is an interesting case. Brock Purdy, no one wants to rank him high because he's drafted so low and he doesn't have the big arm talent. But Brock Purdy's pretty damn good. There's the belief out there that the 49ers are so good that anybody could play quarterback. That's not true. In Today's NFL, that's never true. It's never true in today's NFL that you can just put anybody out there, long as everybody else is good. You have to be good at quarterback. And Brock Purdy's pretty good. Again, it's a different good it's more Bob greasy Joe Montana lay the ball in there good not rifle arm outrun everybody all the traits good but he's pretty good I, I I agree with that
3: you said something there that I've been wanting to ask you guys for a while Trevor Lawrence are there times that he needs a softer touch on the ball is he throwing bullets every single time and that's a little bit more difficult for the receivers I, think, he,
1: I think he's got every throw I, I think he I think he knows yeah, he could. He, all young players with big arms have to learn when to feather it. I, I think that's true. With a guy doesn't have as big an arm, it does It comes more naturally because he he can't drill it. I think. I think Trevor can make. I think I've seen Trevor lay balls in there with touch. I think the more the question becomes, and I hear more coaches say this: when you get into the league, do you know which one to put air under and which ones to drive? And I think the more you play, the more you get that. But uh, so so no, I, I get the question. But I but I will say this: Trevor still has kind of where I was going with the segment, <laughs> Trevor still has an opportunity in my mind to be a top three or four quarterback in the league. Um, I don't know that I see him passing, in my mind, the two best guys, Mahomes and Burrow. But I see him passing the rest of them. I, I, I see him – that doesn't mean he's there yet. But I, if the, if the next group is whatever you – Tua or Josh Allen or Justin Herbert – or whoever Brock Purdy, or C.J. Stroud, who's suddenly in that conversation, if that's the next group, I would not be surprised if two years from now Trevor Lawrence is roundly considered one of the best three quarterbacks in the league, along with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. I'm not saying that's where it's definitely going to land. Would not, would not
2: surprise me at all. Would it, you? It would not surprise me at all. I, I think he's, he's done a really magnificent job this year with a lot of the intangibles of the game. I playing through injuries, being there. I, I, you know, I think he's shown good leadership. I think he's made good decisions. I, you know, for still being twenty, what is he, twenty three, twenty four? I mean, it's, I, he, he's still three or four years away from the prime of his career. So, yeah, there's, there's no reason to think he's very coachable. Um, he's in a stable environment now. He's going to have another off season. I, I think I think Trevor's getting to the point, point. this is something that we'll discuss when we get into the future build of the roster, but in, obviously they're going to have to devote some resources to the receiver position because uh, at this point I don't think you would bring back Calvin Ridley. So you have Christian Kirk, Zay Jones probably comes back, and Parker Washington. I think Trevor's getting to a point where, look, if a first-round receiver is staring you right in the face, you want to take him, great. But I think Trevor is is elevating his play enough that you can go third, fourth-round receiver and expect that Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to turn that player into the production of a first-round player, that he's going to be able, be able to elevate those around him. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the Jaguars approach it, but that's what the, the great quarterbacks do. We make fun of Green Bay for not – investing a first-round receiver in the entirety of Aaron Rodgers' career, well, they kind of took advantage of having a player like Aaron Rodgers where they're like, let's be good on defense. Let's, let's build a, a strong offensive line because we know we have a quarterback that's going to make it as, as easy as life can be for a receiver in the NFL. And, and so you hope that, that that's what Trevor becomes. I think there's a good chance Trevor becomes that because he seems to really embrace – the position, his role, uh, and, and I think that because of that, he's only going to get better the more defenses he sees and, and players he goes
3: against. Parker Washington, I think, is the prime example of that. Drafted in the sixth round and has two touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, his first two NFL starts as a receiver. That's what Trevor Lawrence can do for a player. Yeah, he's, he's, and
1: he's also pretty good, too, but, but I agree with you. He playing with a good quarterback. Uh, one final NFL note because I want to get to some college stuff. There's 32 teams, right? That's correct. How many do you think are either seven and six or six and seven? One of those two. It's a
2: bunch. Round. We know we went over all the seven and sixes in the AFC yesterday. Uh, so I'll go fourteen. Right on the button. Yeah. There's
1: four. There's fourteen. Fourteen of the thirty-two, almost half. Or either seven and six or six and seven. Isn't that amazing? The and league maybe office
2: that, has to be beaming over that. Has
1: to be, and maybe it's that way every year. And I'm just noticing it. Nah, this year. there's more parity this I year. Mean, it, Here's yeah. a
3: stat for you, Frank. To your point, from Adam Schefter, heading into Week 15, 30 teams remain in postseason contention, and 24 teams are either in playoff position or within one game of a playoff spot. Pretty
1: amazing stuff.
3: 30 out of the 32 are still in postseason contention.
1: Which means that this last this stretch of four games is so vitally important to so many teams. Obviously, the Jags, but many, many more. We'll take a break. Some college talk coming up after this. I want to talk about recruiting. Stay with us.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941.
2: 80s day. Oh, you can't go all day long. Yeah. I like the 80s sound. I did so. You got to love it, didn't you? Ah, it's unbelievable. If he plays Take On Me next segment, it's going to be <laughs> like all I can do to keep it together. Take On Me by who, Lauren?
3: uh uh-huh.
1: Very good. Couldn't slip that by her, could it's you? Fantastic. The um, All right, so Brian Taylor is some juco guy that signed with Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, committed, yeah. Committed. I meant committed to Florida. <laughs> 6'5", 260 edge guy. He's like, a pretty good juco guy. Here's the significance of that. Number one, I'm guessing he's in his 20s. I have no idea, but right? Would yeah, guess I would think he
2: almost – yeah.
1: yeah. Secondly, this begins – forget the Arkansas game. Forget the FSU. Forget forget last year. I, I, like I've been saying all along, they're not firing Billy Napier. So it doesn't matter if you want him fired or not, he's not. This begins – Brian Taylor begins the – I guess Will Harris, the coach, the the DBs coach. This begins the journey of whether or not this thing's going to work. Stay with me. Now, parts of that journey, you're keeping Lagway and X, who I don't think they're going to keep, but Lagway and some of the other guys having a good class on the 20th, which is a week from tomorrow, right? It's it's going into spring practice with a little energy because you you ha- and having a good portal year, which is my, probably more important. Seeing how you come out of there, beating Miami, you know what I mean. This is. Again, I'll say what I said before, Hayes. I thought Billy Napier would get 4 years, no questions asked. I was convinced of that, convinced of it. Because of how dysfunctional they looked last year and how Gator Twitter lost its mind and and, and everybody and the way it, the way it all played out, I think he lost a guaranteed year. If he had a guaranteed contract, I thought like he lost I think he lost a guaranteed year. That that that's the way I see this. I think he gets that year back with a good journey which starts now. You with me on that? Mm-hmm. So this is when the journey starts. So I think everybody you see now that signs up or stays signed up, I think is part of whether or not Billy Napier's there. I I, I really do believe that. I think this is all this is all part of the journey, which is why people kind of react. I don't know if Brian Taylor's any good. He's a Juco guy. But that's why everyone's reacting because I now think look, recruiting always is its own season. I know that. But it's but it's almost its new era with Florida. Because this era determines whether or not he sticks around. Does that make sense, that that assessment of it?
2: It does. I mean, I, I think Billy Napier, the next month, is going to determine whether he has a chance of making it or not. Because if they're woeful in the portal, I mean, if they're taking guys that no one else really wanted, didn't have a lot of buzz, uh, if this class, which I do think has now become secondary to the portal market for Florida, but if this signing class does drop to 14, 15, which is, uh, you know, that's that's where Dan Mullen would have had you, then, uh, you know, then I, I think you, you have real reservations. But, look, I mean, if he can be, you know, hot in the portal, if, again, if he is on those lists at the end of this thing that, you know, wow, look at the job Billy Napier did in, in terms of getting this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy, and, you know, if he's able to do that and – keep this class somewhat together where it stays like in the top 10, I mean, I, th- I think you'd have to tip your hat to him. But now, again, a lot of my issues with Billy Napier aren't going to come back to the surface until the Hurricanes roll into the swamp in game one because I still don't know about his coaching in-game acumen. Is he going to get up 10 nothing on Miami and get to midfield and then decide I'm going to run a reverse – and a reverse, and then he's going to pitch it back to the quarterback, and then he's going to – I mean, like, that's all stuff. When, when Florida lines up to block a field goal, are they going to have 10 guys on the field And Miami who will have scouted this all se- all off season, Are they going to immediately spot that and run a fake that's going to work and keep a drive going? Like, his roster build isn't as big a concern for me. I think he has a pretty good handle on that. It's the in-game stuff. And as time goes on, it'll wear off a little bit. When we get in April, the memories that I have now will have faded some. But for me, it's can he coach? Can right. he coach in a game?
1: Well, but uh, correct. But it's all – the bottom line is can he win? That, that it's, it's about winning. And if winning means staying four years to where you have more four stars than they've ever had – and now you're a nine and win ten win team. Even if you're not a great sideline coach, I don't think he's going to get fired. I guess that so. So the bottom line is winning. Your point is, will he coach well enough even when he has? Oh, the guys? look, if he
2: goes nine and three, but the three are games that that he had a blunder in, no one's going to care. Yeah. If he wins nine games with that schedule next right. year, the three losses that he didn't do a great job in, fans will so, quickly so, so, get over so it's that. Still about Kenny. Yes.
3: Yeah, and I think the most important thing is maybe it's the transfer portal. But I really think it's the offensive coordinator. I think he's got to turn the reins of his offense over because he has definitely proven he can't manage both sideline coaching and calling the plays. But
1: I don't think he's going to. I I think he's gonna. I don't think he's turning it over. But again, and so so we'll see. But again, right now's the journey. He, he to Hayes's point and to the point you. He's not calling a play till August 31st. I can tell you that. It's but he be, can hire somebody to just, do so. But I don't think he's going to. I may be wrong. But I, I think you might see a coordinator in name, although they've had that, but I still think he's going to call the plays. But, but the journey now begins. So, so, And I do sense this. I do sense Gator Nation's calm down a little. I do sense what we talked about last week even is that the fire Napier, he's terrible. He's the worst coach of all time. There's still some of it out there. But I sense there's – you know what I mean? As you knew it, I said he he had to survive those last two games that you knew they were going to lose. Now, they almost won the one. But you would – I said he's got to survive these last handful of games that they're going to lose, and he's got to survive the people thinking he's the worst coach of all time and how dare he be the coach and fire him and fire Strickland and run him out of town and it's terrible and he can't call timeouts. He's a bad play caller and how, 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 how. He had to survive all that. Well, He has. The Brian Taylor thing helps a lot because that means despite all that, he's still got a guy coming in. Again, regardless whether you think he's good or not, I just sense following Twitter, X, whatever we call it now, that it's calmed down now and the same people that were saying he's the worst coach of all time. I don't think they've changed their mind, to your point, Hayes. I don't think all of a sudden people think like, okay, now I think he's a good coach. I don't think that. I think the people that thought he couldn't coach two weeks ago still think he can't coach. But I get the sense their attention is turned now to how many guys he can bring into the program, I feel that in the atmosphere a little. I guess that's the point. Yeah, I
2: I think so. And maybe and that's
1: normal, but I mean, I do. But I, I watched it more closely this time.
2: I I think now it's, I think now the fan base is probably more in purgatory in terms of just these last this last week before signing day is I think going to be torturous for Florida because it's not so much about what they can gain. It's about can they hold the, the big-time players that they have. I mean, they're in the mix for some other guys, but, uh, but really the key to this class now is, is holding the, the guys at the top of it. If he's able to do that, yeah, I think that's going to uh, breathe a lot of optimism into the fan base, and you know, fans are going to get excited to see these five stars uh, and what they can do as true freshmen. And, and obviously, we'll see. They're going to sign guys in the portal. We know that they did that last year when their collective disintegrated. So we understand he's going to sign. I would think at least ten guys out of the portal. The question is, are they going to be names that other schools like Georgia and Alabama and you know were interested in? Where Florida fans can get excited about? Hey, we got a guy that everybody wanted. You know, are they going to be getting a guy that no one's ever heard of? That you know, chose Florida over, you know, Southern Miss, and 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 that's where I think, I uh, the the momentum in the program can change. So I yeah, I mean, I think this month could be a great month for Billy Napier and the momentum, but I think I think any fan is going to still reflect back on, okay, it's great that he has this talent. Will that translate to him winning in the fall? I mean, hopefully it does. I you know I just. I, I, it's hard to believe he could have a worse year as a coach next year that he had this year. And, and maybe it was like one of those just weird years where, you know, you have, you know, three of your five biggest mistakes in your coaching career happen in the same year. And then what, for whatever reason you move beyond it, you improve, get better. And it doesn't, doesn't happen again. But I mean, I thought, I thought it was just a, a I mean, just a total F, total F. This past season for Billy Napier as an in-game coach, yeah, well, and, and that's I, and what's that's what's going to be hard for me consensus. to totally move. That's off
1: kind of. of a consensus, I, I think. But but my point is, he can't me- he cannot mess up one more call until August. Right. So now the journey is is the journey's now.
3: Frank, what do you think happens in the fan base if Lagway decides not to come? Well,
1: that's though? a big part of that. Well, that's great. If they lose Lagway – now, again, he's still not getting fired. Correct. But if they lose DJ Lagway, that's the big one. I think that's a great question because I think if X, whatever his last name is, I think people are resigned themselves to the fact that he's going to Texas now. He may not, but I think that's where the fan base is. I, yeah, I, the I think, safety. I think the safety is probably going to Texas. Uh, L.J. McCray visited FSU, but I think he, he would hurt. Yeah, but if they lose Lagway – it's all going back. By the way, if, if they lose Lagway, all the, all the Billy sucks. Is, you, you know, here's what I tell you. Gator fans, if you don't want to hear how much your, your Gator fan brethren hate Billy Napier, don't pick up your phone if they lose. I, I, I would stay away from Twitter X. I would stay away from it for about a week. You agree with that? I would. If, 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 they, if they lose DJ Lagway, cause that's a really good question. So we'll see. Take it back. I want to talk about FSU and quarterbacks and roster makeup after this.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010 xl Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941.
1: Back to be with us on the program along with Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks and RJ Saunders. I'm Frank Frangie. Want get to the We got our wish. <laughs> you said it was coming. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to read off some names, okay? The, uh, these, are, these are Florida's key Florida State players. Dimitri Emanuel, right guard, his seventh year. Right tackle, Jer- Jeremiah Byers, his fifth year. Um, left tackle, Robert Scott Jr., fourth year. Darius Washington, left guard, fifth year. Center, Maurice Smith, fifth year. Tate Rodemaker's in his fourth year. Lawrence Toafili's in his fourth year. Marcus, Marcus, Markiston Douglas, the receiver, fourth year. Ja'Kai Douglas, fourth receiver, fourth year. Um, Destin Hill, third year receiver, uh, Darian Williamson, receiver, fourth year. Let me give you some defensive guys, Hayes. Jared Virch, you is in his fifth year. Braden Hip Fisk, you know is in his fifth year, Fabian Lovett in his fifth year, uh, Tatum Bethune in his fifth year, Darian Jones in his fifth year, uh, Fentrell Cypress in his fifth year. That's fifth year, that's all fifth year guys at Florida State. Fourth year, Gilbert uh, Edmond in his fourth year, Greedy Vance in his fourth year. Um Malcolm Ray, defensive guy, in his fifth year. And these guys are more backups. Um, you kind of get the point, though. They uh, they have got more guys. D.J. Lundy's in his fourth year. Kalen Deloach is in his fifth year, um, who's, a, who's a really good player. Uh, the, the, the return guys, Deuce Span in his fourth year. They had Akeem Dent in his fifth year. They built that team this year. They built that team with 22, 23-year-old guys almost across the board. And I've always said this college football is the one college sports overall, but because football is the one where your, your body development means everything. College football is the one sport where men play against boys, where if you're a 22 or 23 year old man, who's been in a weight program for five years, there's no way an 18 or 19 year old can look, look and feel and, and, and be strong like you. There's no way it can't, it can't happen. So, Mike Norvell, very wisely, when he couldn't get five stars, as many as he wanted, he went and got 22-year-olds. And what an amazing, amazing job. I've never seen anything like it. When, he's play- when they're playing Florida, the average age is probably 22-and-a-half versus 19-and-a-half. Because it's a, it's a, Florida had the youngest team in the country, right? Didn't they have the youngest? Certainly team? one of them. Um, so, but the question now becomes, how do you rebuild it if 80% of those guys are
2: gone? Well, the key is that they were great you know, in this year. So the the brand is back. Florida State's back in, in terms of being a national title contender. Uh, and so the winning has returned, which is going to – obviously that's the, the best thing a coach can have going for them. So I think it starts there. I, I think they're going to be a very popular portal destination.
1: And let me tell you another thing too, Lauren, about this list. Florida State's, Florida State had five, I think four or five transfers on their offensive line. But they were all guys who played a lot at their previous schools. They were all guys like Mertz, who came in with 25 or 30 starts. Florida's guys, what was the 76's name? George, Damian George? Yeah. Never played at Alabama. Right. The guy from Kentucky that that had to leave, Keonta Goodwin, never played at Kentucky. The who's the 6'8 guy that tore his Achilles from Louisiana? Waits. Well, Cameron Waits, never played. So Florida's getting got a lot of those guys that had never their their transfers and they're big and physical and they were highly recruited, but they didn't play much at their previous school. You know the best transfers Florida got? Ricky Pearsall, Graham Mertz, uh, Osiris Torrance, um, Montreal Johnson all played a lot at their previous school. So not only did they get there as older guys, but Florida State of the four of Florida State's four of four of Florida State's offensive of lines starters were transfers, all of whom had at least 25 starts at their previous school. That's how you win old guys and old guys that played a lot, like Ricky Pierce and like Graham Mertz, when they got to the new school. That's what you have to do in the portal. Not just get a guy that was heavily recruited. Again, you and I had joked about the Walker Howard thing. Walker Howard, I didn't care about him because even though he was a four-star recruit that went from LSU to Ole Miss, he never played. Give me a, that's why, to me, Mertz was way better because he played, and FSU did a bunch of that.
3: Yeah, like Brenton Cox. Brenton Cox never played at Georgia correct. by the time he came to Florida. Right, he was guy. Jonathan Grenard Jaylen, did play a lot at Louisville correct. by the time he got to Florida. And look at the difference of
1: them. And look yeah. at the, and, Jaylen, and Jonathan Grenard is now starting in the NFL. Right. Jalen Kimber never played at Georgia. You right. know? The I mean, so 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 the key is getting those old guys. So, which takes me to where I'm going with this, DJ Uyangalale. If I'm Florida State, I'm all over him. He played in the ACC, which means he played against a lot of the teams you're going to play against. He's been he was he was a heavily regarded recruit since he was in the ninth grade. He's big and strong and physical. He's not great, but I can't imagine that I wouldn't want him, right? I mean, he's played. He's a fourth year guy. Two years at Clemson, one at Oregon State. Is that right? Yes. Is, is that right? It's two. It's two Clemson, one Oregon State.
2: I might even be three Clemson. Is
1: that but in in, in a starter almost the whole maybe maybe two is a starter. At yes. Yeah. So.
3: Yeah, he didn't play much in 2020, but he was at Clemson then.
1: Okay, so but two, but three years, a three-year starter, in two different leagues. Last year, by the way, say what you want about the pack, the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever, blowing up, but it was a damn good league last year, a league of good quarterbacks. Absolutely, I would be all over DJ Uwe Anglele if it, if I was FSU. He'd be one of my most, and apparently he's really interested in FSU. I mean, it's one of the first yeah, schools he's taking he a visit. Yeah, I, I'd be all over him if I was the Knowles.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I I think it makes sense. I I think because of FSU having such great success with Jordan Travis, I would want to get the best available guy, which I do not think is Uyanga Lele. I think Good it's job. uh I think it's Cam Ward. Absolutely. Well, and well so, yeah, I'm glad. So you that said would that. that would be the only but in but in terms of the yeah, I mean he's got great experience, he knows the league, he's played in these venues. I do think there's something to that. I also wonder though, like at some point at some point, you have to start balancing in the your in house guys are are gonna get a chance, not because of an injury, but they're gonna be given a legitimate chance. And the only problem that I see in taking him is that I just think it becomes harder to recruit the position because why would you sign there? All they do is go into the portal every year to get their next starter at that position. So that's that's going to be the challenge that Mike Norvell is going to have to sell on the trail. Now, obviously, he's done a great job selling it. They have a very talented, true freshman that is committed and is going to sign in a matter of days. So, you know, obviously, you know, he's not bothered by it, but he also may not be looking to start right away. But I think if you're – and, again, I get it. It's college football. It, it can be cutthroat, and, and players are going to get disappointed. But – it, it's it, there's a balance there between just constantly leaning on the portal, particularly at that position. It's hard to do that and recruit and keep your room happy uh, in, in terms of the guys that you're bringing in through the high school ranks.
3: I'm with you, Hayes. The first person I thought of was Cam Ward. But what's the problem if you're Cam Ward and you're Cam Ward's family? Would you want him to go to Florida State this upcoming year with all that turnover? Because of what Frank just read off, every single player that was really good on the team last year is probably not there. At least the majority of them are not going to be there. I think if I'm his mom and dad, it's like, well, no, we would rather you go to a team that's at least going to have a little bit more stability. Yeah, I'm
2: curious to see where he ends up because he's involved with Miami, right? Yeah, I had and, seen
3: Ohio State. And, and well, Ohio
2: yeah, State that would make a ton of sense. Yeah.
3: yeah,
1: and by the way, let me let me correct what I said. I'm glad you said that. If I could have Cam Ward, same conversation. Whether it's whether it's Uyunglele or Cam Ward, it's the same conversation. He's played me. a my, bunch. My, yeah. my veteran that's play, a veteran guy has played. A veteran guy has played a bunch. Is how they've built this thirteen and zero team. Yeah,
2: FSU shouldn't have gotten yeah. Brock Vandergrift.
1: Yeah, right, correct. That, right. that that that's my point. Right, that's right. my point. The what we're learning is the Cam Ward's of the world are doing way better than the Brock vandergrifts of the world are doing. Way better.
3: Although, if there is a five star former five star recruit that's out there. I'd, I'd like to talk to Brock Vandergriff because Kirby Smart recruited him. Therefore, he's probably really good.
1: Yeah, I agree. But now he's got to learn a new system. <laughs> he does. And, and develop experience. But the you're gra- b-
3: basically rebuilding so much of FSU's team.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, but does anybody ever want to rebuild anymore? I mean, uh, Of course not. I mean, I mean the Graham Mertz's of the world and the DJ Uyungalaj and whatever might not have been great at their previous stops. But one thing we learned from Mertz, again – everybody's so down on Napier that they don't, we all want to point out the stuff he did badly. Well, he took a guy from Wisconsin who didn't have good numbers. And I know he didn't because y'all two read me his numbers 7,000 times. I mean, you Lauren must've told me how much, how much better Pratt and, and the other guys had numbers were than his a bunch of times. And he took him to Gainesville and he completed 73% of his passes, 20 touchdowns and three picks. So, He must do something right. I mean, it's not just an accident that Graham Mertz, who he identified, we've had his talk a bunch, he didn't have to beat USC and Alabama to get him. Nobody. So so does the same thing happen with Mike Norvell when he gets DJ Uyungalile? Does DJ go from a guy with, with ordinary stats to very good stats because he's playing for Mike Norvell, I think he's a really good coach. I think that could happen. I guess that's the point.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. And again, a lot of it will depend, to Lauren's point, on the supporting cast that's around them. Uh, you know, I I think it does. It speaks well of Mertz because I don't think Florida had a ton around him. Pearsall is is a is a good collegiate receiver. Uh, Wilson is an exceptional freshman. But in terms of, but as a freshman, if yeah, but if you put him in, in terms of he's a he's a. Above average collegiate receiver at this point.
1: That that by the way, that is hundred percent. People think you've lost your mind saying that. Trey Wilson was a magnificently talented guy, but at Georgia he'd have been the fourth guy. Uh, he he just would have, and, or the third. He wouldn't. And and Gator fans are driving off the road here, and we say the sorry. Trey, and I, I say fourth guy, I probably don't know, but he wouldn't have. He been would have been behind
3: Land McConkey. Yeah, he, he would have w- been behind Brock Bowers. He would have been the, him as a receiver. He wouldn't
1: have been the star. He wouldn't have been the star of the offense, and like probably also before. Marcus yeah.
3: rosemary Saint Jack. Right.
2: Yeah. So that's I mean, same, in, it, you know, and and looking at it, yeah, I mean Mertz and and Napier deserves credit as well. I mean, Mertz was certainly a lot better than than I thought he would be, but he's also a five and seven quarterback yeah. at Florida. I mean, that's what he is. I mean now nah, he I mean or you could say five and six he didn't play against FSU right, but uh you know so those numbers are great, but they didn't lead to wins often enough, yeah, I'm not
1: sure with Caleb Williams they have won very much USC barely won more, you know, and they had Caleb Williams, so I so, but, yeah, the
3: defense is certainly a yeah big yeah part yeah. to blame but, but, but
1: in fairness to both of y'all, the Graham mertz miss ninety nine percent of the people. You know, there weren't many people that thought he might be pretty good. You know, so – so, but, but but again, that goes back to my point with DJ Uyunglele. When he goes to FSU, no one's going to be saying, oh, man, we got DJ. Whoo! But if he – and I, I have no idea, by the way. But if Mike Nor, my gut tells me what Mike Norvell did with Jordan Travis is pretty freaking good stuff. You know, I mean, sure. So, and
3: look at Bo Nix. I mean, we laughed about
1: great how point. terrible great. Bo Nix was at yeah, Auburn. I gotta, I gotta believe the Oregon people sounded like y'all. I'm sure they Graham did. Mert, why you know? would you take
3: him? Yeah. And and it's looking back, it's always like, well, why didn't we give this kid a second chance? They yeah. they deserve that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And but but I can tell you, I, I can tell you this, and we've we've had the, we've had this conversation about Mert so so long, and when you guys and everybody else are tired of hearing me say it, and I don't blame you. I'm probably tired of it too, but I'm gonna say it again anyway. If you went and watched. Him. that I'm not just kidding. I'm not kidding about this. The, the Wisconsin offense, it's almost comical the way they ran it. If, I, I'm telling you if, you, if you went and watched Wisconsin play Iowa in Graham, one of Graham Mercer's years and then went back and watched Florida Auburn 1984, it was same the same game. It, it, I'm telling it was the same offense. I'm not exaggerating. Under center, offset eye, two receivers, one tight end. That's how they played. I, I, it, was, it was almost – you could almost couldn't believe it. Now they went to shotgun some, but even then, there, there wasn't any there – there weren't no four or five receiver sets. I can promise you that.
3: And I think that's why it's impressive that you saw something in him when most of us wat, who watched that thought, oh, yikes. Because you saw the entire offense, too, and it was like the Iowa offense was this passing. It
1: was. It, I mean, it was – and again, I don't – want, but I mean, just the, the play. How did Paul Chris keep the job? How did somebody <laughs> not say, listen – I'm not a football guy. I'm the AD, but I do know nobody runs offset I 80% of the time anymore.
3: That's why Zach Arnett lost his job. Yeah, it's exactly very quickly. Right.
1: Exactly. You know what? That's exactly right. The, the Mississippi State coach. You're right about that. So anyway, all right. We'll take it right. One more segment with Lauren. Uh, Danny joins us after this. It's 10 after that. It's 10 10 XL 92.5.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnick Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnick, your friends in the car business since 1941.
3: Why do I picture people like a high school dance when I hear this song?
2: Because uh, exactly right. it's what it was. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, 100% white snake. Right. Yeah. Patent leather love.
3: shoes. Would that be the that era also? Guys wearing patent leather shoes? Or no? I
1: yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. But, uh, but but it, but it, this is certainly you're. This gym. is from
2: the same album as Here I Go Again. Yeah, it is. You're in the gym dancing. Yeah.
3: yeah. Makes sense. Right, Frank am Frankie Hayes Carlin, RJ Saunders. I'm Lauren Brooks. So how does Notre Dame keep getting these elite, well, at least elite quarterbacks in theory? Sam yeah. Hartman maybe didn't have as great of a year last year as we predicted. Now Riley Leonard leaving Duke to go to Notre Dame. How does Marcus Freeman do it?
1: And they're kind of the same guy. And so I, you wonder, wonder if that's where Notre Dame is headed. I mean, that's why that's where so many of the schools are headed. Are they just going to go – are they going to pluck off the best guy? I mean, they're, they're, And that's it, why it's a topic. It's Notre Dame. You're still – Freaking Notre Dame, and I'll and I will sing the fight song if you need me to, Carl. Do, do not do, do not doubt me. Um, but I mean, if you're trying to, if you're a college athlete, who doesn't want to be recruited by Notre Dame? Now maybe earlier, well, I'm going to stay in the South. But now, now you're, that you're, let me rephrase that. If you're a high school athlete, who doesn't want to be recruited by Notre Dame, right? Well, if three years later you've now done most of you, all you can do in college, and then the Golden Domers call you. Wouldn't they have an advantage over just about anybody? They're Notre Dame.
2: Well, and I've got to think. I played I mean, at Notre Dame for a year. The NIL world is built for Notre Dame. Yes, yes. I mean, with its global reach, I uh, it is absolutely built for NIL. That's a great and,
1: point because you got a
2: great. Point. And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure Riley Leonard is getting huge bucks, just like Sam Hartman did. And yeah, I mean, I I. I would think that I I would think Riley Leonard is getting an awful lot of money to play football for Notre Dame, and and that's you know that's going to be what like it does in NFL free agency. The usually that's going to win out. It's also I mean there's a lot of things obviously to like about playing for Notre Dame as well. I uh, but I I think I I'd be surprised if they're not the most earth or, or in the, at least the top three most well-funded NIL programs. I'd put Texas in there and probably USC, but I, I would think Notre Dame has got to be right at the top and would not shock me if they're one. You,
1: you, you kind of know more about Number one, you went to a Catholic high school. Your best friend went to Notre Dame, so you visited there. I would think Notre Dame's got graduates in prestigious spots everywhere. Oh, would you sure. Think, I mean, I mean what I mean, do so you think? I mean, when you talk about prestige. I mean, so prestigious people can control nil dollars. We, you know, I mean, Texas Absolutely. has oil money, they, so the, they can control the nil. But I would think Notre Dame's got guys that are run companies in, in every field, in in every field.
3: And it's been a long time since Notre Dame has been close to winning a national championship. So that's especially when I think those doctors and lawyers can and. You know, CEOs can really lean on their their wallets because they really want to see Notre Dame win a championship.
1: Correct. And here, see, here's what took Notre Dame out. Notre Dame was the best play, the best football program in the country forever. If, if, and maybe they fought with Alabama for a while or Texas, or Oklahoma, Bud Wilkinson years. But you know what took Notre Dame out of play? Regional recruiting. I, I know I've told you guys this story before. I've told it on the air many times. In 1993. Florida State played Notre Dame in what was regarded as the game of the century. One of those teams were going to win the national championship. Notre Dame won the game, but then lost the next week to Boston College. FSU went on to win the national title. They were the two best teams in the country. I don't remember the exact number, but I'm going to get pretty close on this. Back then, it was 95 scholarships, not 85. In the 95 scholarships, Florida State had, I want to say, was it 57 players from Florida, I want to say? I think I think I think there was 95 scholarships. I want to say the number was 57 players. From, that I remember looking. At, I was at the game, looked at the roster, and we were in the press box. You know how many players Notre Dame had from Indiana?
2: Two, one.
1: Anthony Johnson, a fullback who played for here played for Carolina. Remember one, one, one guy. And so, and uh, that, and FSU had the, the roster they gave out had 57 players. So, so the point is, once people started recruiting regionally, they were dead in the water. Well, now. NILs changed that back. If now what you're going to do is recruit 22-year-olds from other campuses, well the regionality the regionality's gone. I mean it's gone anyway. But so yeah, so now if everyone starts going and handpicking 15 players from other other teams, who better than Notre Dame to get them to come to your place? That I guess that's kind
2: of the point. And I mean honestly, if you know if if you're Marcus Freeman and you know that every year you're going to have Several million dollars to go after a veteran quarterback. I mean, why go out there and take the time to recruit five stars? Because again, what they Hartman was clearly the best quarterback in the portal last year, and I mean, he was going to Notre Dame. Like, I think he was still at Wake Forest, knowing he was going to Notre. That Dame. was the talk, wasn't it? Remember and that? and yeah. the same thing with Riley Leonard. Yeah. People were already saying Riley Leonard's going to go to Notre Dame before he'd even gotten in the portal. So, I mean, obviously, Notre Dame is, is spending at a level that other teams just simply are not.
1: So, so, so But I, but think about even the prestige of it. Think about this for a second, in addition to the spending. All right, if I, if I'm, if I was – of course, it was a different era, okay? But if I was like some hotshot football player, I was like big-time quarterback guy growing up in Jackson, went to Englewood High School, I was probably going to Florida if they offered. Just like Tim Tebow was, and just like so many other Gators, because I was a Gator fan, okay. And so there, there'd have been it wouldn't have mattered if Notre Dame offered. I was going to go to Florida, okay. But if I played at Florida three, four years, and then I had that out of my system, and I and I I'd been there, done that, and then Notre Dame called because they're freaking Notre Dame. They had a better chance, to, you know what I mean? They might have had a better chance to get me than me staying at Florida because I'd done my Florida thing. So I I think they they I think you'll I think this is what you're going to see. Sam Hartman, Riley Leonard, I think they're going to dominate the portal for all the reasons you said, Lauren, and you said, Hayes, I think they're going to dominate it. I think that's what you're going to see.
2: Yeah, and, and and again, what else do they add? That, that will be interesting because I don't remember, and I, I don't pay enough attention, but at, beyond Hartman, I don't know that Notre Dame really did much in the portal in terms of really impactful players. So now that Riley Leonard's in the fold, we'll see, you know, do they – are there three or four blue chip portal guys coming with them or do they sort of just, is their strategy we're going to put all of our money on acquiring the quarterback and we'll continue to rely on our high school recruiting to build the rest of the roster.
3: I also think the trend has gone away from, at least that we know of gone away from offering a guy like Nico. And I don't know how to say his last name, but the guy that was a freshman in Tennessee, Nico Amaliva whatever, they offered him, at least from what we were told, eight million dollars. I he hasn't played a snap yet. Wouldn't you way rather offer a guy that you've already seen play somewhere money than the eighteen year old? It it just seems not like even,
1: that's a smarter decision. Not even close for me. Yeah, for for me, absolutely. I I would rather put money into a guy if you, I mean, if you can get him. You know, well,
2: yeah, because yeah. I mean, look, They've played. You know, let's let's just throw a hypothetical out here. Let's say. For whatever reason, Graham Mertz gets hurt right. early in the Miami Hurricanes game, the opener. Here comes DJ Lyle. Let's say he does sign yeah, with Florida. Right. Lagway comes in, leads them to a 9-3 and record, incredible freshman season. I mean, he could just do what Trevor Etienne did, just basically be like, hey, it's been fun, but now I have an opportunity to go make X amount of dollars somewhere else, and I'm not staying. I mean, again, that's why I just I can't imagine the frustration and being a, a college football coach. We saw, Clawson, uh, the Wake Forest coach, you know, lament Sam Hartman when Notre Dame released this social media, you know, promotion of how much he's meant to them and he'll be missed. And Clawson was like, he was here, he was our guy for four years, right, right, and then he was only there for you know a few months, right, and he's our guy, you know. I think the Phrase he used is, we were the ones that were married to him. Yeah. Notre Dame just dated him. So, you know, yeah. stop doing this. You know, right. oh, we will always miss Sam Hartman. <laughs> um, yeah. But, I mean, it's it's the way of the world. I mean, it's just until they get this figured out where once you sign in high school, you've got to stay at that school for at least two years. I mean, I, there aren't a lot of advantages in recruiting out of high school. And I, and I got to tell you, I was really in
1: favor of the one-time transfer rule? let anybody leave anytime they want one time? I, 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 I pounded the pulpit for it. I don't know if it's good. I don't, know, I don't know if I haven't. I might have changed my mind a little bit now. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's here to stay. But I, I, and, again, I, so if I – I mean, I, was, I might have been wrong about that. You know what I mean? I, I, well, I, again,
2: it's, it's the multiple. It's, it's yeah. a player going from one school to another school to another school. Like, you shouldn't play in college. You shouldn't play for three schools in a three-year period. Like, that just doesn't make sense. But it's rampant, and I don't know that – I know they're trying to somewhat close it. I, I think everybody is in favor of everybody gets the one free one. And then if you have graduated, then you can get another free one. But that stands to think that there would be some time in between there in terms of, okay, maybe you take your free one after your freshman year because it just was a bad fit. So you're you're now your second school in your second year, but now you've got to get a degree from that school before you can get a free transfer again. So that's at least some time there before you move. But now it's like, I mean, you could go to four schools in four years. And that's what I don't get, because that wasn't why the system was implemented.
3: And there's tampering. I mean, before kids ever even go in the transfer portal, coaches are reaching out. Or agents are reaching out and saying, "Come to this school." Like- yeah,
1: and, and every and every coach says that happens. Every coach says it happens. To our so here's what happened: they, they they poached our guys. Well, it's not the coach; it's the it's the coach's buddies, buddy representatives, buddies. What happened is the the coach, the coach at school at state university, uh, doesn't call the school at uh univer flagship school and say, "I want your guy." He says he has his position coach call his area guy, and his area guy calls the high school coach and says, hey, would you got be interested? That, that's how the poaching works. Totally, well, like Gibby tells us, Gibby just sent us a note that Chris Mitchell, a wide receiver from Mandarin, who won, the, won a state title with back. just went to Notre Dame. He went, now, he went from FIU, which you would expect, but he just went to, from Chris from uh, FIU to Notre Dame. Thanks, Gibby. We appreciate that. All right, Lauren's got an hour off. Enjoy your hour off. Helmets Hills comes up in an hour. Danny Thompson joined us. The Whispers next on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings.
4: Now, the quarterback whisperer, Denny Thompson.
6: Okay, bring it
4: in. Brought to you by Tyson Sound and Security. Register Sausage. And George Moore Chevrolet. One, two, three, four, five.
1: Frangie Hayes, Carline, R.J. Saunders, with you. Lauren Brooks has the hour off. He gets set to host Helmets and Heels. Denny Thompson's here. Fresh, want, ha- fresh haircut. Is that a fresh haircut?
6: It is. I mean, it looks really good. Well, I actually just don't have a hat on, which yeah, you're not used to. I mean,
1: well, maybe. <laughs> you know what? I think that's that is what it, said, what it is. Because I thought the what? same thing. You don't I don't have like, the hat on. Right. Denny yeah, got a
6: haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I had, yeah, I had something good. I had to do today okay. that forced me to not wear a hat. You I'm very like, uncomfortable with it. You look all corporate. I look old. I, 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 I'll, I'll, why don't you put yeah, the helmet yeah, on? Right.
2: I'll,
1: I'll, you look so corporate. I was either going to ask you if I could borrow money or would you defend me in trial? I mean, you if, don't want if, either if, one of those. If, if it like that, so, so that, no,
6: so. I am actually growing up. A forty seven year old's not supposed to wear a hat every day, are they?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you do wear a hat a lot. Uh, nice. All the time. My my um
6: Now y'all see why.
1: And here, here's, <laughs> I'll tell you this, I'll embarrass him, but uh, Jared Simmons, who's who's our executive director at Walkoff, one of the best employees I've ever hired. He's smart, hard worked for the Atlanta Braves for eight years. So he certainly knows his way in, in their outreach program, So he certainly knows around baseball the He's even a better person than his employee. He's just fantastic. One of the be- one of the best guys I've ever been around.
6: Natural progression, by the way. Yeah. Braves to the walk off. That's <laughs> yeah.
1: right. But he's really good. But he wears the damn hat everywhere. Everywhere. And I said, listen, just so you know, your executive director, when you're speaking to rotary clubs in the <laughs> in in the slacks in the sports coat. Can we lose the ball cap? I just, if that okay? Can I make that? I'm kind of your this boss. Is actually, but I'm trying not to be a micromanaging boss, but like when you're speaking to the downtown Rotary with the sports scope and the slacks, maybe not the ball this cap. Is this is breaking news
6: for me, though, because are you telling me, because we've all done how many Rotary right, right, things? Right, yeah. Are you telling me I wasn't supposed to wear a hat? <laughs> <laughs> because I have worn a hat to every seminal Gator, yeah. Booster Club, Rotary Club, you name it. That's awesome. <laughs> that
1: is tremendous. All right, a lot of things to get to. Uh, let's start with the pros. We, we, a lot of times we'll start with the college thing. Uh, I have be- Not that I wasn't before, but I want your take on this. You know, you know what I'm going to say because I say the same thing every time, but, I, but I'm even more emotional about it this time. I have become the biggest freaking Trevor Lawrence fan. Yeah. His hurt, his knees banged up, the ankles hurt. He never whines. He never even thinks about not playing. On, on third and long down seven points or whatever, he runs. I don't mean slides. He runs on the bad knee and the bad ankle and lowers his shoulder and runs through a tackle. And, man, oh, ma- you know what I mean? That, 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 I do. That, that it thing you and I talk about, the, the football player as well as the quarterback, all being in there together. Uh, you, well, do you notice the same thing? Well, we saw
6: him? what he did on Sunday. Yeah. We didn't see what he had to do Tuesday through Saturday. Great point. And, Great and let point. me just I, – I, being in that world, this is why I was telling you I don't like to attach my name to people. Yeah. Exactly what I'm about to say. You, you guys have no idea how much pain that man went through for five days to be able to play that football game. Yeah. Like, you cannot imagine. Imagine, like, a badly sprained ankle, and you willingly every single day are letting somebody move it however they want to move it so that you can play a football game. He went through that for probably 18 hours a day for five or six days.
1: And, Denny, he never wears that. No. he ne- You know, he never looks like he's – he never looks like, whew, I'm a martyr. You know, I'm, a fr- I'm not afraid. You know, I'm gonna go out there because man, I'm tough and I can. He's just, he's just he just, you know what I mean. He's just nah, the same guy. The great ones don't. The, you yeah, the know, we saw the,
6: the the quarterback episode and and kind of what all those guys went through. That's what he just went through. And yeah. shout out to Will Wanku, by the way, who's been his right. He's now with the Jags, but okay. has been with with Trevor for a long, long okay. time. And got to know Will. Super good. What dude. is Will? I don't know. Will is his kind of physical trainer. Okay. He works with the Jags strength and conditioning. Because for every single second that Trevor was in there working, Will had to be in there working, right? And so when I saw him jog out there and play on Sunday with what I do for a living, it kind of brought a smile. Like, these two guys put in work yeah. for him to be able to play a game in Cleveland on Sunday.
1: But you know what I mean? Hey, some guys that are they, – they're tough, but they're, they're martyrs and they want everyone to know everything right. they're going through. Yeah. He just acts the same. I just, I'm just going to go play.
6: I'm concerned about the Jags for the first time all year. Yeah. But I'm not concerned about 16. Yeah. But I am right. very concerned about just the makeup of this offense right now, as I think everybody probably yeah, I should hear,
2: be. I hear you. Because it it just seemed Doug described it as there is a disconnect between Trevor and the receivers, and I can't imagine it's it's a Trevor problem. But it just seems like Calvin Ridley. Just, it's it's more and we it's it's a Calvin Ridley problem. <clears throat> I think Zay Jones knows where to be. I think Evan Ingram knows where to be, but. The, what is the challenge that Trevor is going through when you've got to worry about your protection holding up, you know, what the defense is giving you, but then on top of everything else, you're not sure where that receiver is going to end up.
6: Listen, man, this game is played before the ball is snapped largely. And you look at something, and we brought up, um, gosh, I can't, Parker Washington, is that his name? Brought that play up. Um, that's how disconnected from football I am, by the way. At number 11. Mm-hmm. I just know their numbers. Yeah, that's right, Parker Washington. We brought that play up last week about how he didn't run to where he was supposed to, and that ultimately caused an injury, right? In the situations that we saw this past week, you've got a four-string left tackle. You're taking a snapshot of the defense, and you're going, okay, I have to get the ball there. I know that there is going to be open, and I have 1.7 seconds to do it. You don't have time. To look and make sure your receiver is where he's supposed to be. These are professionals. They have to be where they're supposed to be. That's how you win the rep. If they block you from getting there, not Trevor's problem. That's your problem. And you and it just cannot continue to happen. For the first five or six weeks of the season, I feel like I really sugar-coated what I wanted to say. And now, Calvin, bro, you're – you're, you're playing yourself out of a league if you cannot fix this. You are super talented, but what are we doing?
1: Danny, explain this for our listeners and for me, because I don't know, I, 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 talk, I, I use the phraseology a lot, but I probably don't understand it. Media guys sometimes say stuff, and if we're honest, we admit we don't probably know it the way football people do. On an option route or a choice route, when exactly do they decide? when? If it's not a pre-snap decision, is I mean because I really don't know that. Yeah, you
6: now. now I, I see the play. You're talking about the kind of the bender that got yeah, picked off, right? Yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. That that one I don't go as hard on. Like that's um, you, you kind of have to, to read sense it, that DJ? out.
1: Obviously, Trevor thought he was going to sit down.
6: Well, there's a there's an aiming point, okay. right? There's a there's a point where you have to make a decision by. Okay, and you cannot carry another yard past that.
1: It, okay, well that's what I didn't know. And is, yeah. is it four or five yards into the route? Is it that one's probably a little
6: deeper. It? That one was a third and longer, yeah. right? So, so it's so probably eight, nine, ten yards. And yeah. you
1: have to decide at that point.
6: Yeah, yeah. And Trevor sees what yeah. you're running into, right? And so he's going to throw the ball where he sees that 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 the maximum point of separation should be. See, see what and I? If you run through that,
1: yeah. see, I, see, as we watch these. And I call games. The simple stuff I know. If you're running a crosser. And you see the teams in a zone, you sit down. A moron like me can see that. Right, and if it's man, you keep running. I I, right. I get that part. Right. But I think it's way more complicated than that. Right. I mean, it's it's in there's all kind of choices. Well, routes. if
6: you're and if you're wrong on the coverage, you're wrong. Like on something like that, that's something we work a lot in the off season. And when Gardner was here, we did it literally every single time somebody went across the field. Is you you as they were running, you would yell man zone whatever. Right. right. If you're wrong, you're wrong. That's fine. But when it's zone and you know it's zone and they know it's zone and you still end up at the wrong spot and there's not a question in zone that's the, that's the bigger issue because you are throwing to as we were talking green you're throwing to grass you're throwing to an area not to a person
1: another NFL thing um, everybody's getting hurt yeah Trevor's playing hurt Herbert gone for the year Burrow gone for the year CJ Stroud and concussion protocol other quarterbacks have played we saw Mahomes last year get hurt quarterbacks are getting hurt so much uh, can he pick it out for for a while I mean you can go on, if you about half the teams have had a quarterback beat up in some capacity Denny is it RPO that's doing this are they holding the ball longer is it just happenstance what's your read on yeah that?
6: I think it's just the evolution of what we're asking quarterbacks to do they're asked to do more um, there's not as many you know timing routes there's I call them read-through routes. Like, I'm reading through one route to another. It takes a little bit longer. It's a little more complicated. Defenses have gotten complicated. We have to hold the ball longer. You, you have to. So you're going to take more hits. These guys are way more athletic. So back in the day when you would see Peyton just kind of curl up at a sack or Great you'd point. see Phillip Rivers throw it two rows deep, these guys aren't programmed that well,
1: way. And to that end, that's, that's the second part of my question, is it because they're playing so much of the game out of the pocket? No doubt. That that's yeah. got logic says that's got to be part. No doubt. Of
6: and and I and I laugh sometimes about the people that gripe about the new rules and they're saying this is soft and man, it's not. Yeah. It's just a different game. But when the rules were different, we weren't throwing the ball fifty times a
1: game. Yeah.
6: Right. You were handing the ball off, and it was just a, a it was like a wrecking ball. You you can't have those same rules and. You'd have to have a 150-person roster these days. Yeah, yeah, People are going as fast as they can upfield with the intent of meeting at the quarterback. And that's the only thing they're teaching in the league right now at defensive end. right? If you're not on a stunt, you're meeting at the quarterback. That wasn't the case back in the day. We'll take a break. When
1: to come back, I want to talk college guys. Here's what I'm going to do after the break, Denny. I'm going to ask you the next step for Carson Beck, Love it. Graham Mertz, Jordan Travis, Tyler Van Dyke, guys we've seen play. The next step may be come back to college and be good again. The next step may be uh, draft prep, people like you mm-hmm. put them through. The next step might be transferring out. But I'm going to I'm gonna name a bunch of guys and ask you what you think they will and should do Perfect. moving forward. That's next. Stay with us. All right.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nemnect, your friends in the car business since 1941.
1: Frank Frangie Hayes, Carline, R.J. Saunders with you. Danny Thompson is the quarterback whisperer. One more segment. All right, I'm going to go through all these guys. Totally respectful of the fact that there's some things you can't say because, like with Carson and others, you're close to them. Mm-hmm. So tell us what you can. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start with Carson.
6: <laughs> I thought he was going to be easy on me. Let's let's just start with Carson here. Uh, what is he going to do? What should he do?
1: And if there's private information you can't share, seriously, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. But generically speaking, um, in my opinion, he's a first-round draft pick. Maybe he may be high in the first round. Uh-huh. Uh, I also think he'll be the best quarterback in college football if he comes back. Those two pretty good choices, be the best quarterback in college football or go in the first round of the NFL draft. So take me through the whole thought process. Yeah,
6: I, I, what NIL has allowed us to, to do as a whole is like a team of people. Around yeah. these guys is, is you feel like you don't you can't make a bad decision. Right. They're I both really good decisions. Um, Carson specifically, this has been super interesting for me because I was telling somebody the other day, we're not a av- I'm not avoiding talking to anybody about this. It's, I don't have anything to say. Right, I got it. That he's you can flip a coin right now and be as accurate. Right. And and but the reason why is 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 because you've got the whole it's my dream to play in the NFL. And historically, it's been said if you're a first rounder, there's no way you go back to school. Right. And there's that 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 still works. Like you, you could still make that argument, um, and you'd be right. But then the other side of it is, forget the money for a second. There's there's something to be said, and we talked about this last year about being the the starting quarterback at Georgia back to back years, especially when you elect to come back. Right. Right. And I, I don't think Stetson he elected to come back, but he wasn't a first rounder. If all of a sudden you elect to come back and you come back and you play that schedule they're going to play next year and you win a natty, can you put a dollar value on that? Yeah, that In idea. the state of Georgia, can you really like, – you That's put a point. dollar value on what Tim Tebow means. And I know I'm stretching here. I know Tim Tebow is a huge superstar. But can you put a dollar value on that decision to come back? And I don't know that you can. And so it's not as black and white as what what people think it is. Me personally, I think Carson is built for the NFL. Right. I have been consistent with that. I think he is the exact prototype of what the NFL is looking like. I'm not in any hurry to get him there. Right. But when he gets there, I have full confidence that he is a 12-year Pro Bowl caliber player.
1: Do you? Uh. Do you think? You may know this, but do you think he knows yet what he's going to do?
6: No, I don't. You, so he doesn't know. No. Interesting. Is no. he
2: committed to playing in the Orange Bowl?
6: Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He, I mean that—that that was a pretty easy conversation for him. He's like, "Man, I've waited four years. Yeah, it's like, I, I'm going to play." in That's the a great, call. That's yeah, a great yeah, call. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right. So I don't even think that was a—that okay, so, was a question for so, him.
1: So, so you do you have an opinion on what he should do? And if you're uncomfortable saying it,
6: I am a little uncomfortable saying it because I do have an opinion. Okay. Um, but yeah, right now is probably not the right time to totally, say that. Totally,
1: I yeah. totally get that. Totally respect that. Let's move to Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis' college career is over. What's next? Rehab. How long will it take? Um, how how what will his pre-draft prep be like? He's pre-draft prep. I'm mean, using yeah. the words you use. I mean, I'm trying to like act like I know stuff that you know. <laughs> um And what happens? Where does he does he go to the combine? Is he healthy enough? Does he have a pro day? And where does he get drafted?
6: Well, I think if you're I don't know the I the the absolutes of his medical status. Yeah. So I'm, I'm taking a shot here just okay. off and what I do and know. And that's fair. I know yeah. we, don't, we none of us know that. So I think if you're him, what you what you hope to do is the first thing you got to do is you, is you got to get healthy. The good thing for him is you don't have to prove how athletic he is. Everybody knows how athletic he is. So, yeah, you go to the combine. You probably don't participate in anything, but you go do the interviews. You're around the people. You do all that kind of stuff. Um, and I don't know if he's got a senior bowl invite, but if you do, you do all that stuff. You're not going to participate. But the value is in the interviews and, and all that stuff. And then when you feel confident that you're going to get a good medical grade through all that, that's when you start to make that decision on what you're going to actually do at your pro day. Like if, if, if he's at the combine and everybody goes, oh, this is an open and shut case. He's going to be fine come August. Then, okay, we don't have to run at our pro day, but let me show you how well I can throw. And if, if I'm right, he should be about ready to do that you know, middle March, late March, something like that, I would think. Um, I don't think it's going to affect his draft status because I don't think for whatever reason he ever had that high of a draft grade. Right. I think the people who loved Jordan before are still going to love Jordan because of the tape that he's put on, not because what he was going to do in Indianapolis or in Tallahassee.
2: Tyler Van Dyke just committed to Wisconsin. Did what he really? Think, yeah, what do you I think, think know about that. that? Just happened.
6: Uh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I, I, good for him. I think he needed to get away from Miami. Um, just for him, I think a change of scenery is good. I don't know a whole lot about Wisconsin's um, roster, but I think Tyler's pretty good. You I do, think, he's think, good think he's a good
1: player. I was going to ask you, do you think he's any good? you do?
6: Yeah, I do. And, and I know there had been talk from his side of actually just going ahead and going into the draft this year, and, and he had you know extreme confidence to the point where it's like, if I get drafted late or not at all, I feel like I can make a team. So I'm, but I'm glad that he's going to go give this another year because I, I do think he is a talented, talented kid. And sometimes you just get into a bad situation and, and you can't run from it, and I think that's just what happened in Miami.
1: Right, Graham Mertz, he's coming back to Florida, obviously. If the Florida whole thing is up in the air, is Billy going to stay? Is he not? Will he get good players around him? What do you think about all of it with Graham Mertz? Um, he had a fantastic year. And it wasn't all just just uh, check downs because he averaged 267 yards a game, so he must have thrown some balls down the field. What happens with him now? What is his off season like? Um, how good can he be?
6: Well, he's he's dealing with an injury too, so he's got to get well, healthy. I yeah, That's PT. Right. But yeah. I, you know, for him, I think off season wise, he's mechanically pretty good. He he's pretty good. So I think there's a couple little things that I see that he needs to work on, which is probably a conversation for another day, but. But I really I'm trying to think of the right way. Is I think Graham Mertz will end up being a third or fourth round guy. What could hold th- him up? I do too, by the way. But what could hold him up is we don't know what's going to be around him. Yeah. So he's taking the biggest risk of everybody. In hindsight, now that you take a step back and you yeah. go, wait, these guys are in the portal. This guy's leaving. Yeah. You don't know who's coming in. He, I just hope he don't get handcuffed to the point to where he's. He's dealing with uh, talent deficiency so big that he looks bad because other people can't get open.
1: Kerwin Bell's last year, Kerwin yeah. Bell's last two years. Kerwin Bell, the really good player, but they were. I mean, Eric Hodges was his best receiver in '86, and '87. Remember that? I mean, he's so, so
6: the, the good thing for Graham is he's a super accurate guy, so he doesn't need a whole lot. Like, like for example, Anthony was so athletic that if somebody wasn't open, he had that run option. Graham's going to sit there; he can still run. But Graham is perfectly comfortable with throwing instead of running. Yeah, like he feels like he can fit a ball in there and get more than if he took off. So I, I mean, I think Graham's a good player. I would actually, I, never say this, but I would be really interested in working with Graham yeah. um, because I think he is that good of a player, and I think his he's got a better ceiling than what I thought he had. Now that I've watched film on him from this year,
2: Riley Leonard uh, has announced his decision to Fantastic go. Fantastic player. Yeah, to Notre Dame. Um, so I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on on that fit, but also. The larger question of, can schools continue to just get their quarterback year in and year out in the portal without damaging their ability to go recruit the high school level at that position? Great
6: question. That uh, is a awesome question. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the bigger schools can. I, I There's something happening right now in high school recruiting of, if you're really, really, really good, you're unaffected by everything. But if you're only good, which you used to sign with, Charleston Southern or Gardner Webb or or whatever it is, man, that's hard to come by now because now they're taking guys who have fallen from from up above. Whereas you look at you know the way this portal's going, I look at Cam Ward as a perfect example. Like this kid went into the portal, and next thing you know, he's like the biggest thing to hit college football in a long, long time. Um, that hurts high school kids. It doesn't matter who you are, if it doesn't matter where he goes. Let's say he goes to make something up. There's a kid sitting there right now who thought. Hey, man, next year is my time. And then that's just a trickle down. So where is that kid going to go with no film? He's going to go down. What's that going to do? That's going to take a spot from a high school kid. And it just keeps going and going and going. And I kind of thought the COVID year would play itself out. It's not. It's real, I mean, we got guys with seven years of eligibility now.
1: Here's one really interesting dynamic of college football quarterbacking and sort of related to what you're asking, Hayes. Players going, so Georgia has this embarrassing riches of quarterback. They've got Carson Beck, who's going to be a starter, it looks like, and going to be really good after two years of Stetson Beck. Looks like this Carson Beck guy is going to be good. He wins the job. They've got this Brock Vandergriff backup guy that was four or five stars everybody wanted. They've got this Gunnar Stockton guy who's four or five stars everybody wanted. And they've got this guy, Dylan Rayola, who's the best-looking high school guy I've seen in years. I mean, I think he's really good all coming there. Let me tell you what screwed, it up. Let me tell you what screwed everything up, this guy Carson Beck. Mm-hmm. He screwed everything up. Because Carson Beck so damn good and coming back. So Brock Vandergriff hauls ass. This Dylan Rayola guy now, whose dad, by the way, was a really good player at Nebraska, all of a sudden is, is, going to, is visiting Nebraska. So I think you're going to look up, and instead of four or five quarterbacks, you're going to have this Carson Beck dude who's fantastic, but he's got one more year at most. And Gunnar Stockton better be pretty good, or they got to start recruiting all over again. Isn't it interesting the way that I'm going out? to give
6: them a real big compliment here. Yeah. Um, they've done a great job of finding guys. They've, they've they recruited five stars, but I saw a stat the other day that there's only been 42 passes thrown since Kirby Smart has been there by a five-star quarterback. If you think about it, Jake Fromm,
0: they about Stetson
6: Bennett, well. they about Carson Beck. Carson was a four-star. He was. Right? And they've had That's all these really five stars point. in that room. And then they've got this kid committed to them that everybody's been like, what in the world? And he's Still been committed forever. While. No, no, there's another one.
1: Okay. Rail is really good. There's an, okay.
6: Yeah, he's good. He's good. But they got this kid from like the Northeast that I've stumbled upon his film and he is really good. Oh, they do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he's been committed to them for a little while. So I think they do a good job of keeping the, the spotlight on them with signing the guys, but then they keep going in there analysis and like Carson is a perfect example. Their ability to convince Carson that the best thing in his future was to stay there with two, five stars behind him. Right. Fantastic.
1: Final thing. We'll let you go. Um, Brock Purdy might win the MVP. He is so good. Yes. You work with him, you know him well, he's your guy. They, they, on TV, they talk about you, uh, working with him. What makes him that good? He's got an, he's got a, An average NFL arm, not an average arm, but it's an average arm in that league. He's got a middle-of-the-pack arm in that league. He's not super athletic. He isn't very big. Why is he so damn good?
6: There's all the intangibles we always talk about, about timing, and and he's just a dog and all that kind of stuff. But I think the bigger thing is is with him, very rarely does one mistake turn into two, very rarely. He has got this amazing ability to just brush off whatever just happened and just focus in on what that rep is doing now. And you see it when he's training, too. It's, it, he'll take a rep, and, and somebody will cue something for him or somebody will say, hey, try this. There's no thought. He immediately tries it. And he's just got that ability, man. He's got that ability to, to think something and then apply it on the fly. I, I haven't seen many people do it the way he does it. it it's interesting. Um, Austin Reed, who's coming out this year, yeah. local St. Augustine right, kid, right, right. very similar in that. Now, I'm not saying Austin's going to go win MVP. But when we're sitting here doing this stuff and I'm thinking about, okay, what what's our comp here? Man, mindset-wise and the ability to manipulate your body and the ability to just lead, those two guys are about as good as they come.
1: Interesting stuff. Danny Thompson, the quarterback, wish for great work, man. We appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you guys. One segment to wrap the program after this.
0: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941.
1: Welcome back to the program. Frangie Carline Saunders with you. Lauren Brooks is going to host Helmets and Heels. That comes up in a bit, along with Mia and Taylor. Hayes Carline has a thought, though, right about now.
4: Now, Hammer Time with Hayes. Brought to you by Golden Hammer Roofing and Gutters. The Golden Standard in
2: Roofing. Doug Peterson and defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell both said something after the Cincinnati game that, that really irritated me, uh, and I don't want to hear any any talk of it this week. And it's this notion that a loud crowd in Jacksonville makes it harder for the Jaguar defense to operate. And my hope is tomorrow I would implore Doug Peterson, when you get in front of reporters tomorrow – at your customary Wednesday press conference, I would rally the fans and say, look, I, I mis- it's up to us. It's up to us to get the communication part down. We want the crowd to be great. And Doug amended his comments later, uh, but, but still, you can't get up there and talk about, well, it was really loud, uh, so our defense had trouble communicating. Th- that, you want it to be loud. And Doug Peterson has struck all the right notes as the Jaguars coach, but that was a misstep, and it was especially concerning to me when his defensive coordinator then got up there the following Thursday, a, a few days later, so not just right removed from the game, and talked about the difficulty of the crowd being loud. So you want the fans to be loud. I'd like to see Doug Peterson tomorrow make a special comment to really try and fire up the crowd for Sunday and say, look, we need you rowdy. We want you to be rowdy, but it's up to us as a defense to take those extra couple of steps to make sure we've got our communication piece down before the Ravens come in here.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where Doug is. I I think he is so honest. He is so honest that when he was asked what happened to communication, he said, well, we didn't communicate well. It got loud. The loud affected it. I don't think he was saying he didn't want it loud. I think what he was saying was, it was loud. You know, we, and we got to do. I, I think the answer is what you just said. We have to do. We want. We want our crowd as loud as crazy loud as they could be, crazy loud to affect the other offense. Now it's on us to make sure we can handle it defensively. So I. So I. I think the crowd will be great. I love our crowd. I think the crowd. It's a nighttime crowd. Uh, night games at the bank are fantastic. I can't wait to see it. So it'll be. I think it'll be a great crowd. And I can't wait to see it. I'm very excited about it i almost out of time. I was going to do this earlier. I'll do it tomorrow. When we were a kid, didn't you love being playing outside sports when it was cold? Yes. I mean, you never came in, right? Yeah. I played outdoor basketball in 30 degrees. Remember that? Yeah. You, you, should, could, you put on a bunch of sweatshirts and shot.
2: See your breath. Yeah. See
1: the right, steam coming that? off your head. Yeah, yeah. RJ, you played outdoor hoops in 30 degrees, 40 degrees, didn't you? Oh, without question. Yeah, maybe not 30, but certainly high 30s and 40. And we'd go down to the Hogan Spring Glen Fletcher Morgan Park, now San Susie Baseball Park. We we'd walk down there and we'd play basketball. I mean, forever loved it. Loved basketball in the cold, outdoor basketball in the cold weather was phenomenal.
2: I don't think as a kid I ever said one time it's too cold for Same. me to do something else. Never, never. I mean, it was just. Gonna go outside. Yeah, I mean, I mean, now if it was cold. raining, it yeah. might. Now you know, it's too but...
1: cold for me to play golf if it's sixty. But, right. but, but, back, but oh, now it's. Yeah. I won't get in
2: the pool in May. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, it's.
1: <laughs> but back in the day, I mean, I was thinking about this today. We were walking around the new ballpark that the the city is doing, and we're office is working in conjunction with them. And I'm thinking, man, it's cold out here. It's cold now. I, I will say this: in high school, I hated playing baseball in the cold because high school baseball starts in February and it's so cold. I didn't like that. But I uh but as far as football and it could it couldn't be too cold to go play f- f- touch football or, or right sandlot football in the cold was the best ever it was way better when it was cold
2: yeah i mean we the the cold never never stopped us from playing anything yeah. um and and we'd play in rain i mean but not but that was rain was more of a deal breaker than cold uh because again it it was almost kind of like Nice as a kid because you never had it, and so when when it was cold here in Jacksonville, I, you know, it was one of those things you kind of embraced, even though obviously it brought some uncomfortability with it. But it but it was also, it didn't get as hot in the summer as it does now. That's the other thing. Like right. I I'll, also true. go the other That's way. Like true. I don't remember as a kid really being bothered by the heat, right? And now the heat bothers me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Good point. Good point. And I, but I'm just saying, as a kid, well, you're right. The same thing I'm saying about cold, you can say about hot. It, it, weather never bothered you as a kid. But I can remember when it was cold. I mean, it was cold out when you went to play football in the backyard or went, to, went up to the park to play football or, or shoot hoops. Baseball, not baseball. But, but whether it was basketball or football, you went up to the park. Cold never had any effect, like none, like zero effect on it. In fact, I, I don't ever remember, to your point about not wanting to play because it's too cold out. I don't remember a lot of touch football games and fly when we were a little kid when it wasn't pretty cold. It almost seemed like it was always, didn't it? It almost seemed like it was always cold when you were playing football and basketball, both, both hot and cold. But foot for whatever reason, and I grew up here in Jacksonville like you did, football here in Jacksonville was always kind of a cold thing. And I loved it. Yeah, it
2: was fantastic. Yeah, so anyway, all right. There you go. Yeah, here we go. RJ, let's do some takeaways.
4: Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families
2: buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaway is I think the Jaguars still have one mulligan left, and it's Sunday night against the Ravens. While it would be fantastic to win the game, I don't think the sky is falling if the Jaguars lose to Baltimore. I do think the sky is falling if they lose to Baltimore and turn around and lose at Tampa Bay. Then you've got panic on your hands. But I think in, in, the, in the immediate here, I think Sunday's game is a little bit of a bonus game because, again, I just don't see the Jaguars competing for that one seed. I, I just don't, I don't think they're too beat up to really do that. But I do think they're healthy enough to, after the Ravens game, beat what I think is a subpar Bucks team, an atrocious Carolina team, and a bad Tennessee team. So we'll see if they can do it.
1: Let's say hello to Mia.
2: Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring.
4: Visit tireoutlet.com careers, equal opportunity employer.
1: Put your head down. Put your head down. Okay.
4: What are you wearing?
7: Oh, um, so What's I what? found this in the back of my closet, um, and I am wearing no. it. Tell
1: people what it is, please.
7: It is a New York Giants beanie, and right. I'm wearing it because I'm proud of my Italian-American heritage and the fact that Italians are having a moment right now. That's why I have I respect- it on. You
1: know what? I kind of respect that.
7: And Tommy DeVito yeah. is a fellow product of the New Jersey education system, and for that, I By decided to That was a we'll very good moment
1: him. for you right there. You know, that I want that on tape. So I, listen, I
7: said it on primetime because I was getting roasted on the YouTube chat, and yeah. like that's fine. Like For me, like yeah, like- Probably, like, mad that I have it on. But, like, for me, as much as, like, I'm not a Giants fan. I have never been a Giants fan. Yeah, Who did you grow up rooting for? No one. You, you know, not we Jeff? watched We watched every Giants not, game. You went we,
1: to Jets or Giants?
7: My grandfather equally hates the Giants, the Jets, the Eagles, the, the Patriots. Um, so we watched and consumed tons of football, but we never had a team. The Yankees are the only team that I ever right, grew fan. up familially, like, this is our team. No hoops? Uh, the Nets until they broke my heart and went to Brooklyn. And then when I did a semester in L.A., I really got into the Clippers during the Blake Griffin era. Um, so, yeah, no. And then uh, hockey, the Devils, because um, my childhood best friend's father ran our local hockey league and had season tickets. Mm-hmm. And so I got to go to games for free. Um, but, yeah, no. But I, I will say, mm-hmm. like. By the way, the
1: explanation on the Giants, the Giants yeah. uh, beanie, which I wasn't happy about. I didn't really I was going to have to share that with you. But now you've won me over because I got a little Italian in me, too. I'm half Lebanese, half Italian, yep. so you've kind of won me over on that. No,
7: and, and, like, that's what I – you know, I, I said it to Greg, one of our sales guys who's from that neck of the woods as well. Like, look, as anyone who listens to Primetime knows, I have been probably culprit number one in bashing whoever the proverbial media darling of the moment is, including Tommy DeVito. But, like, seeing his family and hearing from them and, like, watching them at the tailgate and the spread there that they had, like, that is what I know I'm going home to – airplane of course hoping that everything goes off without a hitch next week for christmas and so like i grew up in that environment and i know some of our listeners were like but she's irish yes i'm irish too but like much closer with my italian side and so like are you
1: like half half irish half italian? my mom is
7: 100 sicilian my dad is 100 irish
1: okay. My mom was a hundred percent Sicilian. Yeah, and, look at that. And my dad was a hundred percent Lebanese.
7: I love that. How about that? So yeah. I, I did,
1: we we had. I, did I know didn't we had know that. that so so yeah,
7: go. no, and so and so that's why like for me it was it was it was very cool seeing that on display and like look I thought the the agent looking like he's straight out of Central Casting that was fantastic. Uh, like yeah. dude the whole thing was wild but there is some part of me. Knowing that Tommy DeVito went to Don Bosco Prep, who I covered when I was in high school, like, I mean, that's the preeminent program.
4: Yeah.
7: Kind of, you know, he goes to Syracuse, flames out, goes to Illinois, has a reclamation project, but everyone's like, he's not going to ever make it in the league. And then he does what he does. Like, people joked last night on Twitter that 90 seconds was too much time for Tommy DeVito. Like, jokingly. And it was yeah. like, I mean, you could say the Packers defense was awful, but you could say they couldn't figure out the run, but it was, it was cool as a, as a fellow New Jersey native. It was cool to say
1: right, what's coming up tonight. What are we doing?
7: Oh, well, of course, you know, we will dive into uh, the Ravens and the Jaguars matchup on Sunday, as we always do. We will have our uh, AP college basketball update because yes, basketball season is in full swing folks. And I believe we have a special giveaway as well. So don't go anywhere. Helmets and heels is coming up next. All right. Thank, thank
1: Mia. you. Mia Taylor and Lauren, they have it for you right now tomorrow we'll be at Bartram that's right heading out to Bartram yep. Bartram,
2: Bartram Florida Island Wing Company let's uh, go Island coconut wing shrimp wing time Bartram, wing time, Florida
1: here in America um, <laughs> we will be out there uh, so we are looking forward to that uh, for Hayes for Lauren for RJ I'm Frank Frangie saying don't go anywhere Helmets and Heels is next on 1010XL at 92.5.com